Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 19th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC between now and 6.30. Beware of a wife better looking than you. I don't know if it works in, uh, in gay relationships. Another old has-been joins the Strictly lineup. Carol Kirkwood, the weather woman. God in heaven. They must have run out of ideas already. Was Kelly Maloney not available? Hackers targeting the keyless cars. The aerial salute to the bravery of the few. Elton's war with Venice Mayor, who's axed gay books in school. Boy George has risked riding the bee bosses. Hasn't even started. What makes Pringles so infuriatingly addictive? And if you want to uh, watch your fears disappear, blow up a balloon. Riveting stuff, isn't it, this morning? But I guarantee you... It will keep you entertained until 6.30. I like the idea of the two kids posing on the beach. And they thought they were just posing. You know, when you were a kid, you go to the beach, don't you? And you sort of, you know, you start digging things up. And uh, they dug up a World War II bomb. But they didn't know it was a bomb. So they had a picture. T- what their father thought it was, I've got no idea. I thought there were daft people around. But this one kind of takes the biscuit. It's covered in barnacles. But you can see quite clearly, it's a bomb. A b- run. Run like heck. Uh, Cheryl Fernandez Spag Bowl has launched another one of her rivetingly exciting cheap perfumes. And uh, this one sells for about twenty three ninety nine. So it's really expensive, classy stuff. And, of course, it kind of sums up exactly what she is. There's nothing left for her, is there? We were, we were trying to work out in the office. Her last album bombed. Her single bombed. Um, I suppose she's got a little contract with L'Oreal or somebody that they sort of, you know, because you're worth it, you know, and uh, that's quite nice. And then they sort of say, we're going to bring out a perfume for you, love. And um, and so she stands up there looking like, apparently in October 2014, they reckon she was worth £20 million. I'm kind of work out how she's worth £20 million. So she wouldn't have made any money from Girls Aloud. That, that, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have given her any money at all. Otherwise, Sarah Harding still wouldn't be flogging her tired old body round the place. But, uh, and she's not done anything, really. She's had a few contracts with L'Oreal. But even if that paid a million a year, by the time you've taken off, you know, tax and you've taken off the agent and all the rest of it, a million pounds a year goes nowhere now. And so uh, her, her album, her autobiography... They say sold 275,000 copies. Oh, it can't have done. Who would buy that? Her autobiography. How old is she? 12? 13? You write an autobiography at the end of your life. She's been voted sort of sexiest woman in the entire universe. She probably is, actually, until she opens her mouth and then ruins it. She's only 32. Looks so much older. And uh, she's, uh, she's tweedy. Got a bit of a rough R. Rough, rough family. And, uh, and they're sort of up there. And um, they say net worth 20 million. I don't believe her. I don't believe she's worth That was like the old Jordan Maloney, wasn't it? Baloney. The stuff where they sort of said, oh, Jordan's worth 35 million. <laughs> Is she Buffalo? No, she's not. No, she's not. And they say here, she had, um, so they had uh, 20 consecutive top 10 singles, including four number one singles, six platinum albums. But they never wrote Diddly Squat, so they wouldn't have made a penny piece. Not one penny piece. She had her first studio album in 2009. Then they took three singles off it, and she had that, that crackingly rubbish record going to fight, 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 fight. Fight and back in court again. Fight, fight, fight. And, oh, I've been arrested again. I can't believe it. And uh, then she had Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. And she did a little funny dance. And we all all took the mickey out of her, didn't we? And then there was one called I Don't Care, which is what the public did the last time she brought out a record. And she's been the face of uh, L'Oreal. She's also been on the cover of Vogue. But again, all these, they don't pay any money. That's just sort of to keep it going. So the fact she's worth 20000000 million, I'd be very, very surprised. And uh, then they say she signed uh, 
for X Factor, the 11th series, a £1.5 million contract. Well, they always make them sound exciting. But again, take off the 20% for the agent, take off the 40% for tax, you know, unless she's, unless she's putting stuff offshore, you know. And, they, and, and, what, and what do you think she's listed as? Prepare to wet yourself. Author. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she can write? Me neither. Me neither. Dancer. <laughs> Entrepreneur. <laughs> Model. Oh, we'll have to kind of give her that one. But she's only about as big as that. Seriously. There's more on a milk bottle. Recording artist. <laughs> and television personality. <laughs> it's, there's no personality. She might be on the television. That's, I think you're great. I think you're going to be a big star. Yeah, well, that's it. You might as well go back to the dressing room and uh, just end it all now because it's not going to be happening, is it? But anyway, she was out the other night wearing, you know, they said she teamed something with the bottle. And I thought, well, unless they're going to bring out some toilet duck, uh, you know, or something like that to put with it, I just cannot understand why anybody would ever spend... I mean, £23.99. Now, I can tell you, I can tell you now that £23.99 is what's commonly known as the chav end of the market. You know, she says here... She apparently has a mezzo-soprano range. <laughs> Cole spoke about her, about her vocal ability, saying, I'm very aware of my ability. I know I'm not Mariah Carey, but I think the emotion is in the song. Classic stuff, isn't it, really? She's marvellous and really, really good. But uh, she, does, she does mime a lot. And we've seen the miming. In fact, we've seen it quite a few times, and it's not very good at all. Uh, it's, it's, an ITV spokesman insisted she didn't mime on Fight for This Love, although the performance was pre-recorded. I think that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? They used to do that on the telly. It used to be, you know, it's them singing to the song, then they mime back to themselves. And so it's what's commonly known as enhanced. So in other words, if they can't hit any of the notes, which of course is highly likely... That's why a lot of people don't don't like singing live. That's why you get people who sing live, and then you get people who who can't sing live, but they can do studio based stuff. And and I remember, actually, I think Michael Stipe. Remember Michael Stipe from REM? He was given a a megaphone on top of the pops because he couldn't mime in time to the song. So if you do it through a megaphone, you can't really tell, can you? And some of them, I mean, you've only got to look at poor old Sarah Harding. Honestly, I don't like to mention her on every programme. It's not fair. God's already played the biggest joke on her already. And um, and she, you know, she couldn't even remember the words to the song. Doesn't help, does it? And I think the same will be with little Zayn Malik. I think Zayn Malik is so big-headed for 22, so arrogant, that he fails to understand that when it actually comes down to, you know people buying your record, you're going to have to go out there and promote it. It's not like One Direction. They, they sort of just have to do a big interview and it's easy because you've got people to fall back on. Poor little Zane, he's got nobody to fall back on, only his own little ego. And it's not going to work. You can see him on Lorraine, can't you? You know, and here's Zane Malik my, my, singing, singing his latest uh, record. And if he doesn't do it properly, nobody will buy it. And they'll only give you the one shot. They'll only give you the one shot. They're not going to keep, you know, giving you another chance, giving you another chance. And so Cheryl Spagbowl now, I mean, she's she's finished. She's finished. So she can sit on, you know, behind a table. But to be honest with you, do you not think when you look at her, she spent about four hours in makeup and hair, and then she sits there and she spouts nothing. Not, she says nothing. But mainly because how can she give advice to people? You know, she didn't have to go there. Somebody said, all right, we're going to put you with you and you, and, and it's a group, and you're going to do what, what we tell you. She hasn't got the faintest idea about the business. You know, so she can go into a studio and learn a little dance number. You know, that's why she's not going to be touring anytime soon. 
It's just, you know, not going to be happening. I don't remember reading any reviews of the last time. Because the best way to sort of lose these things, and when you go to see a live performance of anybody, you're hard pushed to discover whether they're singing or whether it's Memorex. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. Uh, Daryl reckons that when it comes to Cheryl, Tweedy, Spagbowl and L'Oreal, shouldn't the tagline be L'Oreal? Because you're worthless. Well, it could be. I mean, you know, it's the, somebody said, and I've repeated it numerous times, that she is living proof of how far you can get in the business based on looks. Based on looks. You know, uh, Sarah Harding is, uh, is a lot older. And again, her singing career, they, when, when people are in groups, and this isn't, this isn't being bitter or anything like that, because remotely I'm not interested in any of that kind of thing, but I've seen it happen so many times. When you see these people in a group, they're successful because they're in a group. People like the group. The people follow the, the group. The moment somebody leaves a group, nobody gives a toss. They really don't. You know, I fear for Aston Merigold. I don't think that single's going to do anything at all. A, because A, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, B, because, I mean, it's not like he can't do it. It's just that I don't think there's, there's any room for these people. You know, they've been in groups. The groups have been successful. The group's success fades. Nobody becomes interested. And so they decide to go out. The Spice Girls were living proof. You know, as a group, they were very, very successful. Jerry Halliwell left. Nobody missed her. Then she came crawling back. Now she doesn't do anything. She does nothing at all. They all had a little modicum of success outside of it. The most successful one was the one that everybody wrote off, Victoria. Nobody reckoned she'd, you know, be sort of flying around the world with one of the best agents in the business. I mean, Simon Fuller couldn't be more successful for getting, you know, basically any old garbage about the Beckhams in the newspapers. There's a picture today of Brooklyn off out again by himself. He's probably got a minder with him just to make sure he gets home. Probably has to phone his mummy. She probably gives him like a, you know, a SOM team or something so he can phone up and go, Mummy, I'm on my way home. It's Brooklyn. Your son. Hello? Oh God, she's hung up again. <laughs> you see Victoria hanging to the phone box. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. And uh, so that's why. So that's why I don't think any of them are going to work. And, you know, Cheryl Tweedy Spagbowl, she had every opportunity. Simon Cowell gave her a platform on the television to flog her record. It was free advertising. And, uh, and that's why the first one... T- and then people suddenly realised, the crap, it's not worth buying, it's wallpaper. It's wallpaper, milk. It's wallpaper, is it on the way? And, um, and so it's a case of, you know, all these people turn up on the table, they do their little interviews, it doesn't translate into sales. And if it doesn't translate into sales, what do the... The record companies cannot expect to be, you know, a cash cow. They can't keep pushing money into somebody's career if it's not going to work. And the answer is, in many of these people's cases, it's not going to work. As it, somebody should tell them when they start in the group. At some point, it's going to fizzle out. At some point, you're going to have to get a proper job. Very few people, you know, unless it's somebody like Elton John or it's somebody like Rod Stewart or Bono. And I've never said the, uh, the appeal of Bono in the slightest. I really, I couldn't bear you to. I was so happy when they went to America and stayed there. I think in America, it's so vast, you can tour as a supergroup for years on end and nobody knows about you. You just carry on doing it. And then you come back and they go, they've made so much money. You know, when you look at how much money the Rolling Stones have made and how much money Elton John has made and how much money the Beatles generated, you know, we're not going to be playing JLS songs and Girls Aloud. I don't think I've heard a Girls Aloud song on the radio since they split. Because nobody would play that now. And you've got to wait quite a few years before it becomes a gold record. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's, you know, one of those things, isn't it? It's sad, but that's what the business is. That's what the business is. And the business is quite harsh, but nobody tells them. Except me. And that's why I'm here at this time every morning to dispense bonhomie and goodwill. 
and felicitations to everybody. Quarter past four. Holy moly, or holy molar, I should Nick say. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven o'clock this morning on LBC. As a woman's left in agony for two hours, is our ambulance service third world? I'll tell you the story about it in a minute because it's Gerald Ratner's daughter. She had an accident on her bike uh, with another cycle. You know what cyclists are like. And anyway, uh, it was outside, I think, Parliament. It was something to do with the railing. And so they called. And uh, still after two hours, she's still obviously sort of sitting on the pavement doing nothing. thought by that time they'd have got themselves in a taxi, wouldn't you, really? Gone somewhere. So Ratner's wife drives over and then drives at a hospital. But uh, I'm assuming that they don't think something like that is that important. Is, is, because the one thing they ask on the ambulance, and I'll tell you this now, because we had this experience, if you remember. We're in, a, we're in a restaurant in London, and there was about six of us. And one of the people at the table, we were, we were chatting away, and this person sat there, and then they stared. And I went, are you all right? The next thing, their eyes closed, and they fell off the chair. They were out cold. So we picked them up. You know, got them back into the real world again, put them back on the chair. Uh, 20 minutes later, it happened again. This time, they were spark out on the floor. We didn't know what it was. I thought they were dead. Seriously. So we called an ambulance. By this time, we'd got them upright. And we said to the ambulance, uh, can you come, please, because we think it's an emergency and all the rest of it. And so the question from the ambulance people that you phone is, are they conscious? And this was a Friday night. And we said, yes, they are conscious. And they said, well, it's not an emergency. So I'm assuming this is what happened to this woman on the bike. Is she conscious? Yes. It doesn't constitute an emergency. You know, are they in a wreckage? Are they out cold? Yeah. So the next time we phoned up, we had to tell a lie. And we said, listen, they, they've gone under again. We don't know what it is. And so they then came down and they brought a wheelchair down, a little folding one, and they got them out of the building. But apart, that's why she'd have been left there for two hours. Is she conscious? Yes. It's not an emergency. That's the way they look at it now. Uh, the DWP admit to using fake claimants in a benefits leaflet. I don't think that's so unusual in this day and age. Plus, and here is the story of the day, one cafe owner has caused uproar in the town where April Jones was abducted and killed. And, uh, and the slogan is something along the lines of, you know, eat more cake because if you're large, you won't get abducted. I mean... Seriously, you can't believe the stupidity of this cafe owner. And I suspect by the end of today, they'll either be out of business or people will have picketed the place. I've never heard of anything so stupid. I mean, how dumb do you have to be, for God's sake? That really is awful. Nick of the team will discuss from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Isn't that a dreadful story, though? That, I mean, that really is absolutely dreadful. Uh, 84850, uk. Always, every one we read out on the programme, every text, every email, we read everything. We don't like to miss anything out. We like to give a fair and balanced programme. And as you know, this is the most listened to programme at this time of the morning anywhere. We just take, as Darren said earlier on, Steve Allen's 4am spike is something to be the envy of the entire world. Yes, it goes from sort of normal to... <laughs> through the roof. Fantastic. 84850, uk. We did... For, oh, the good news was... You remember yesterday, there was um, a film on the LBC website of a guy with a kiddie in a pram, and he's standing behind a very expensive car. I think the car was worth about £100,000. And he looks at it, and fortunately, he's so stupid. He's so thick. He's so... He's so stupid that he doesn't see the camera in the car. Lots of people... I've got one in my car. It's a dash cam. But you can set it to record. And it will record onto a, onto a little card. And uh, this guy... And the, and the quality is HD. 
the quality is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And so it's, it's recording him. He's standing behind the car... And then he, he walks next to the car, and you can hear him scraping a key down the side of the car. He causes about nine grand's worth of damage. And I said yesterday, let's hope they find this tow rag. Do you know, it didn't take long for his friends to dob him in. That's what they did. 48-year-old man has now been arrested, being questioned at a police station. And uh, let's get him into prison, shall we, as quick as possible, idiots like this. Perhaps the child will be taken into care, and that's really so. I wonder if he's got previous, I said yesterday. You know, why would you go out there and key somebody's car? Don't ever think that there aren't cameras. There are cameras all over the place. You know, you can, you can see... Ca- I don't understand why people see... Or perhaps they don't see cameras. Perhaps they do not see cameras. But this one, in in particular, caught him because it was aimed, at, I think, at the back of the car, which was an odd thing to do. I thought it would have been aimed at the front of the car, but the camera was aimed at the back of the car. So, uh, but interesting, anyway. Very interesting. So, you know, if in doubt, don't go near anybody's vehicle. I mean, we've got cameras all over the place where I live. We must have 16 cameras, which record 24 hours a day. So anything occurs on site... We can see it. Anybody enters the property, we see them. Car number plates, easily read. In this particular case, this man's standing there, and he, he sort of looks at the car, and I thought perhaps he's just admiring. And then you see the scraping of the key down the side, and you think to yourself, really? You have to be aware nowadays that there are cameras that capture all sorts of people. Even the, uh, the bomber they suspect in Thailand has been caught on camera. That's what they uh, they reckon. But here is the uh, lying Walter Mitty, who said he was the SAS hero to bed ladies. And uh, he's, uh, he's named Beau Plantard. I think Plancard would be better for him. Also known as John Pugh. He regaled lovers with tall tales of his work as a veteran paratrooper and bodyguard for Princess Diana. All he was was just a liar. Was just a liar. He just told lies. And it's a bit, he just worked in a gym, and that was it. Poor little soul, honestly. He's pictured in the paper today, and um, he just, he wanted to bed loads of people. So because his own life was pretty dull, he decided to make something up. And that's what he made up. He made up the fact he was in the SES. They had one who turned up to the Cenotaph, I believe, some years ago, and was marching along with people. And people go, who are you? He goes, I'm part of the, uh, the... no, you're not. Why is it? They're... All these fantasists, they're all a bit odd, aren't they, really? A little bit strange. Perhaps they've got one or two screws loose. Mind you, talking of screws loose, we've got a tycoon in the paper today who is a property tycoon and he's decorated his mansion with, wait for this one, kids' gravestones. He apparently had another property. He's, he, he used them as decorative plaques. He... Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't aware that you could use this. Although, I myself went to look at a house with a friend of mine about five years ago. Down near Hampton Court. I think at one time this house was uh, used by staff at Hampton Court. And the whole back uh, patio was gravestones. The whole back patio was gravestones. Very old gravestones, but gravestones nevertheless. And uh, they were there because there used to be a a graveyard just over the road. Presumably when they moved that and they deconsecrate, they moved the gravestones up against the wall and these had been used in this house. So they'd been there for hundreds of years. This particular man, you know, put them into his grade two listed house and uh, they date from around 1890, 1900. Anyway, uh, he's, uh, he's pleaded guilty. This is Kim Davies. 
He cut them up and cemented them to the walls as decorative plaques. Planners were horrified when they discovered the stones taken from a derelict chapel, which he'd bought to do up, had youngsters named on. One belonged to two brothers and a sister, who all died under the age of four. He also used some for a patio. The site in Abergavenny, in South Wales, is where Cecil Francis Alexander wrote All Things Bright and Beautiful in the mid-1800s. Officials who found the stones say dozens of kids are in unmarked graves at the church in, uh, in a place called Lacrid, I think, and they're now going to be removed. Somebody said, why would anybody want to live in a house decorated with the names of dead children? Anyway, he's been fined £60,000, and I think he's got to pay court costs of about £250,000. What an idiot. What an idiot. What a sick person. Why on earth would you do something like that? He says, after the, uh, the court ruling, all I did was renovate a dilapidated house. No, you didn't. What he did as well, apart from taking these dead children's gravestones, their, their epitaph to the end of their life, he also ripped out an Elizabethan staircase and installed a jacuzzi at the property. Quite clearly a bigger idiot than I imagined. Laugh the other day, laugh as we did at the poor misfortune of poor old Gemma the Plank Collins. They used her on Ben Hanlon's programme, Tricked. She thought she was being chased out of the woods by a bear, but it was somebody in a bear costume. And uh, apparently Gemma was thought she was going to die. Well, I suppose she would at that size, wouldn't you, really? And when it was all revealed, she eventually saw the funny side. Oh, God, that's funny, because I didn't think she had a sense of humour. She's just launched a plus-size clothing range with Evans. Is uh, going to be an, uh, less of a scaredy-cat if she's going to return to the I'm a Celebrity Jungle. I don't know why she was rubbish in it first time round. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. There was no point in putting her back in there. She can't do anything. You seriously think she's going to survive the run? Oh, no, we'll have the tears and the tantrums again. She's just, uh, she's an attention seeker, but unfortunately not the most intelligent attention seeker I've uh, ever seen. Uh, 84850. And uh, apparently once the ambulance people knew a police person was with the girl, they would have decided she was in safe hands. Well, the main thing that they say is, are they conscious? If they're conscious, then there's no point in rushing an ambulance there. Are they OK? Are they, are they drifting in and out of consciousness? Is there a load of blood? Have they lost a limb? They're going to ask all these questions. And the question is, you know, are they conscious? And that determines whether or not somebody who is unconscious gets the ambulance first before the person who is sitting upright. And they were with a policeman. And it was outside the House of Commons. Paul in Paisley says, keyed cars. Has happened to people I know. Funny thing, only people with really nice cars. Oh, I don't know. I've seen some really rubbish cars being keyed as well. I don't quite understand the mentality. I think probably it's a jealousy, isn't it? I think it's a jealousy from some people because their life is such a failure that they don't have anything. And presumably, you know, once this, uh, this, this bloke has been named and shamed, you know, then people will be going, oh. Because I don't believe that people just go out and do it on the once. I always think that if, if they're jealous of what somebody else has, has got, then that's something that's inbuilt into them, and they just become worse and worse and worse. 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. I was watching telly this morning. Was it this morning? Yes, this morning. And I obviously caught the tail end of something about benefit fraudsters. And there was some bloke there that they caught. In fact, they, this, this was the one I told you about the other day, where they discovered a shopkeeper in Nottingham who, uh, who was quite clearly bent as the proverbial nine-bob note. He was doing dodgy fags from under the fridge. He was explaining to people how, listen, I'll sign you off here and just tell him you've done 16 hours a week and then you can get your benefits. And basically what he was doing was telling people how to be a crook like he was because he was selling all this under-the-counter prescription stuff he shouldn't have been selling. And so they then expose him 
with the television cameras and he starts being a bit aggressive and all the rest of it. I hope he's out of business now. I really do. I hope the police have been round there and checked it out because that's what these television programmes are supposed to do. They're designed to expose crooks because they're people cheating from you. That's why your, your parents don't get proper treatment, you know, because there's people cheating the NHS. There's people cheating the system. You know, they're not ill at all, half of them. They just sit there in A&E because they've got absolutely bugger all else to do. So that's where they go and sit. And they sit there and they get medicines because they can't believe you've actually got something that's that easy. Oh, do you feel ill? Oh, really ill, really ill. I'll give you some tablets. Oh, great, thank you. And so they get tablets. Anywhere else, they don't get these tablets. And then they had one guy there and he was cheating. He was having phones nicked. And he he couldn't have cared less. He said to the camera, he said, I hate the Queen. I hate everybody. I cheat. I do everything. What are you going to do about it? And I thought, well... Next time we see you, perhaps they'll key your car for you. But the worst one was one who appeared with, with Anne Robinson on Britain's Spending Secrets. This is classic, classic benefit people. This is a woman who ran up £5,000 of debts. She's on benefits. She gets, um, I think, £213 a week, but she ran up £5,000 worth of debts. Listen to the reason why she ran them up. You know, not an intelligent woman at all. For the purposes of this programme and for the telly, they called her Charlotte, which is an insult to all people called Charlotte. She spent £2,000 on a fridge. On a fridge? £2,000? I don't have a fridge worth two grand. Uh, she got a tablet, a TV, and she was left facing eviction over £500 arrears. She says, wait for this, this is classic thicko. Just because I'm on benefits, why shouldn't I have the nicer things? I own what I dreamed of, a luxury fridge freezer. It made me feel awesome when friends came. They called me posh, which made me feel like a footballer's wife. She said it was unfair her two kids saw celebrities blow cash. So in other words, you know, far from, you know, getting out there and doing what the rest of you do, which is a job as opposed to sponging off society, she decided she wanted all this stuff. And so she was going to spend, why should her kids have to watch, you know, celebrities spending lots of money? You can only feel sorry for them, can't you? That that's, that's the state of the mother. She says, it winds me up when people flash money, go to a store and put it on a card. I couldn't afford £200 Ugg boots. You don't see Kanye West or Kim Kardashian in Primark because they can't afford Prada. You really are as thick as a brick, aren't you, love? I remember seeing a programme on the television some years ago, and it was, uh, again, women who didn't have any money, and uh, they were treating their little children... Uh, to all these expensive outfits, but they were putting down like two pounds on it and then paying it off at three quid a week so they could get themselves a little designer outfit. And I thought, but people still look at you and go, you look like a chav. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like you see people walking around markets wearing, you know, very expensive designer glasses, but you know they're all fake. You know they're fake. You know, because they couldn't afford the real stuff. I don't know whether or not people buy fakes thinking that we think it's genuine. I don't know. I could spot people. They've only got to open their mouth and you know exactly where they're coming from. So this woman wanted to live like a wag. Uh, interest saw her repay £2,000. Then she got a TV, a tablet, a sofa and a washer from the firm, but then returned them. She comes from Milton Keynes. She refuses to buy supermarket-owned brands. In other words, she's living a complete and utter lie. She's not got off her fat bum and got out there and got a job or done anything at all because she's cleverly managed to get herself pregnant twice. So she's got two kids. There's no husband. There's no boyfriend there. You have to support them. You know, people like that, as far as I'm concerned, I think the government go to him and go, you better go back to the father. Unless he's been killed, I think you have to go back there and he has to pay. It's as simple as that. They had a, another programme on the television, which was in, 
where was it? Was it Tower Hamlets or something in London? Where in the housing office, they have to try and house people who, um, who I mean, it seemed like a never-ending job. One of them, it was a classic example of a woman uh, who sat there and said, uh, you know, my boyfriend beats me up. I, can't, I need you to find me another house. Well, of course, they didn't have any more houses. They had nothing at all. And they said, well, where are you living at the moment? Um, living with my mum. Well, why can't you stay there? I don't want to st- I don't feel safe. Well, it's kind of tough, isn't it, love? It's kind of tough. It was a bit embarrassing. So what they did, I mean, they did make an effort. They phoned round. They didn't have any property. Eventually, they contacted an estate agent who had a landlord who had a property to rent. He wasn't over keen on renting out to the council. But did you know that councils have what they call upfront money? In other words, to to tempt him to rent his flat out, and they would be paying for it to this woman, they were prepared to go up to £2,000 as a bung. That's what it is. It's a bung to the landlord. So the estate agent comes back and says, well, the landlord's not interested in anything under £2,500. So in other words, they want that money up front so that they, they've got something there. I mean, honestly, you've never heard of such a rip-off in your entire life. And in the end, they had to say to the woman, look, you know, it's, we, we just don't have that sort of money. We don't. You have to go back to your mother's. So off she went, back to her mother's. Uh, and then there was another woman who sort of tried to make herself intentionally homeless. They saw through that one. They said, no, we haven't got anything for you at all. And so these people, they just try on. They sit there looking gormless. They don't seem to speak the language. So you see, you're kind of, you're kind of starting, you know, the wrong end of the scale. And then some bloke who'd kicked his son out. And his son was... What did he have? Well, he didn't have spina bifida, but he had something like that. And he said, oh, he goes out and gets drunk and, um, and he's abusive and all this kind of thing. So I'm kicking him out. So he takes his son. Oh, he had cerebral palsy. He took him down to the, to the office where they do the rehousing. And he said, I'm, I'm kicking him out. He said, so you have to rehome him. And I said, but we don't have any houses. You can't, you know, you need to go and see social services. I mean, it just seemed to be the biggest con going. He's your son. You can't cope with him. So you're kicking him out, making him intentionally homeless. So the council have to pick up. Well, they didn't. They didn't. In the end, they said, listen, we don't have anything. You'll have to look after him for a bit longer. It seemed to be the biggest, you know, biggest set of fraudsters I've ever seen in my life. Kicking your own son out because he gets into trouble. Well, that's you to deal with. It's not up to the council. God, they've got enough things to worry about without having to worry about sort of fathers kicking their sons out. And then he said, well, don't, don't worry, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll be local to you so we can still keep in contact. Riveting. He's, you know, he's got cerebral palsy. He needs, he needs constant care. That's what it is. Ridiculous. However, we did laugh. I do laugh at people who, um, I don't quite understand why. This was in, um, in Luton, in Bedfordshire. It's not the best place in the country to live. But here is a Ferrari. A £220,000 Ferrari written off under a taxi after crashing into a house's front garden. This, uh, this happens quite a lot now. This is the, the higher end of the market. When you see where this car has crashed, these people don't look like they've got thruppence to rub together. What in God's name they're doing renting this? If I'd owned the company, I wouldn't have rented anything to these people. Uh, the luxury car hire firm co-owner Jamie Ford says it took three minutes for the insurance assessors to write it off. A 29-year-old man booked the motor for a family wedding, paid a £5,000 deposit and £850 a day for the four-day hire. wonder what business he's in, ladies and gentlemen, that he can afford to pay £5,000 deposit and nearly £1,000 a day to rent a Ferrari, which he quite clearly couldn't drive for toffee. Is it just being a bit of a show-off, do you think? Anyway, it's, uh, it was uh, um, from a depot in Shoreham-by-Sea. 
How embarrassing. And they've got people standing round it. I mean, the insurance company will sort of write it off so it will, will be covered. But uh, what is it with insurance companies? Or what is it with hired companies that want to rent somebody for a wedding? You can't get everybody in it. So it's a bit... Pu- is it just him being stupid and showing off? He probably drives a Passat. That's probably what it is, isn't it? He's been driving a Passat and he thought, I'm going to show my friends just how rich I've become. So he coughs up a £5,000 deposit and 850 quid a day. You know, if he can afford that, he could actually afford to put money down on a car and start doing HP. If he can afford 850 quid a day, but I suspect he's one of those poor people who just wants to be rich. You know what people are like now? You know, it's a case of, I've seen, like that woman, I've seen people on the television, I've seen Kim Kardashian, she doesn't shop in Primark. No, because she goes out there, and she's lucky in America, she doesn't have to do anything apart from make a cheap porno uh, to get herself famous, and then, and the rest, as they say, is history. Over here... It doesn't quite work the same way. You know, we, we've had Jordan making a cheap porno. It hasn't actually helped her career at all. If anything, it's made people laugh even more at her. Ian says, I agree with your music analysis. One of the biggest bands in the Far East and getting bigger is hardly known here. They're called Girls' Generation. Oh, there are loads of people abroad who are huge. But they never get, they never get here, do they? They never get here. Uh, Steve, my son was uh, was unconscious when the ambulance service and quick response unit turned up and they were refusing to take him to hospital. They said he'd been on drugs and I said, no, he hadn't. Um, and I had to tell them that if they don't take him to hospital, they eventually took him. He had meningitis. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just, I listen, I see the ambulances whizzing through through Twickenham all the uh, all the time, all the time. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, uh, Johnny reckons that if you want an ambulance, just say the patient is drunk. See, I wouldn't be remotely. If I was driving an ambulance, I'd say, well, let them sober up then. I couldn't care less. I don't want them injuring either themselves or me if I was ambulance driving. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Sorry, they're drunk. Call the police. Goodbye. Put the phone down. I wouldn't hang around with them at all. Uh, Is he on self-destruct or has he just got too big-headed? Is he just a silly little boy of 22? Uh, Most people think he's just a silly little boy of 22. Poor old Zayn Malik, who really thinks that there's a career in the offing. How many times do you have to tell them, ladies and gentlemen? How many times that, you know, you have to work for things in this life? You have to work. You don't work, don't get paid. You can do the party scene and then eventually when it all goes pear-shaped, you'll come back to us and go, oh, I think I'd like to do my career now. And they'll go, career? What career? Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 19th of August, 2015. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show. Uh, they were talking about, oh, the, uh, the veteran actor. They call him veteran actor now. This is Ian McKellen, who came out very late in life. Everybody knew he was gay. He'd been having an affair with a, a very high-profile person, and that persuaded him to come out. And then, of course, you couldn't shut him up about it. It's the same with everybody, isn't it? You know, once you found a gay rugby player, there'd be another one round the corner. And uh, we've had gay swimmers. We've had gay everything, gay MPs. Even a gay prime minister, ladies and gentlemen, and nobody said a word while he was alive. And uh, this time round, it's this Muslim drag queen programme on the television where you've got this bloke called uh, Asif Qureshi, known by his stage name of Asifa Lahore. And that's, that's about as good as it gets, I'm afraid. Having droned on in a boring, monotone voice about how difficult it is to be a Muslim drag queen. As if anybody cares! As if anybody gives a forex about it. Who cares? He said he's had death threats and this. And then rather unwisely, as I said yesterday, makes a programme about it on the television, which is so boring. I cannot understand why anybody would be remotely interested in watching some sort of look at me, 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 drag queen. You know, on the tape nobody's ever heard of. 
But apparently Ian McKellen tells him you're a pioneer. A pioneer of what? Oh, dear Ian, get yourself in gear, man. The older you're becoming, the more crackers you've become. It's ridiculous, really. And anyway, Ian McKellen says, I'm in awe of you. Oh, dear, honestly. Nothing worse than the dribblings, is there? A sort of, you know, a latently gay person coming out in the business. Much as though we adore Ian McKellen. I mean, for God's sake, there's nothing pioneering about a drag queen, Muslim or otherwise. It's just a bloke who wants to put women's clothing on and appear on a stage. Whether he's got any talent, I think is highly dubious. Because otherwise we'd have heard of him. And I've certainly never heard of him. You know, all the, the famous drag queens of old, and you have to include Danny LaRue in that, were people who perfected an act. Putting a burqa on and taking it off is not actually an act. That's just being a silly little show-off. And so then somebody makes a television programme about it. God knows who'll be watching. God knows. Cathy says, when I was 17, I joined the Navy, gave me a trade. Over 10 years, I saw the world and matured quickly. I agree with these plans to end the benefit entitlement. It's a life lesson. What, what worries me and worries everybody else who's in the real world, as opposed to the old benefit fraudsters, is do you think that's going for the rest of your life? Do you seriously think at the age of, like, you know, these girls who get themselves pregnant at the age of 17, and then they get the flat, because their parents don't bother to do anything about it, because they go, oh, you got pregnant, oh, you better apply to the council for a flat. So, so they get their flat, and that's it, they don't bother working for the rest of their life. Well, I'm not supporting you. I'd be more than happy to take away benefits from everybody. Get out and get a job. Well, how can I afford to get a job? Well, I'd better go back to the person who got you up the duff in the first place. Get them to pay for the child. I'm sick to death of sort of fathers shirking their responsibilities. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, these women go out there, they have unprotected sex. My mother had a name for people like that. You know, and then they sort of expect us to support them for the rest of their life. I don't want to. I really don't want to. It's not, uh, it's not good enough. You need to sort of step up to the mark and start going out there and doing something. Do something. Don't just sit there whinging. There's nothing worse, is there? Uh, who says we're too soft? Ray Winston. He says people are too quick to call the police over rows and Britain has become soft. He's right. He's talking about protecting his family. He said, it's my way of living. It's where I come from. You have a responsibility to look after your own. We never called the police. Everything's become almost like America. You touch me, I sue you. I'm going to call the police. Police, hello, police. You know, somebody's been rude to me. They called me fat. Oh, go away. Hello, is that the police? Is that emergency? My Chinese takeaway hasn't turned up. Sorry? My Chinese takeaway... Oh, go away, for God's sake. These people, they just, you just need to take them out and push to the end of a cliff. Makes it so much easier. Uh, he says he's very good at arranging flowers. Oh, well, that's it then, isn't it? According to the woman on the television the other day, if you do sort of a butch job, you can't be gay. God knows what she makes of florists. Poor old florists, honestly, they get targeted, don't they? It's like every man who's a hairdresser. Well, you've got to be gay, haven't you? If you're a hairdresser, you're quite clearly gay. Because you stand there fuffing around. Mind you, the majority of straight hairdressers look fairly gay, don't they, as well? <laughs> 84850, uk, And uh, I'm in no interest in watching anything that Katie Price does. A more revolting person you'd be hard-pushed to find. And that was all the critics' comments. When she said that the woman who had sex with her husband, <laughs> Kieran Haler... Huge success in the uh, in the ladies' department. Uh, she said she wouldn't care if she was killed in a car crash. Lovely, isn't it? So charming. Such a charming person is Katie Price. So uh, I wouldn't be remotely interested. Unfortunately, I think the woman is so deluded. I think she's got some issues. I think, uh, you know, she will end up divorcing him and he'll end up not, not selling a story. If you remember, most of the people she's been out with, in fact, everybody she's ever been out with, she's slagged off. Every, I don't think there's been one person that she hasn't slagged off or threatened them with. She's quite vile. I mean, she really is, you know. And I think it's because she's not intelligent. And that's the problem. She can't write, we know that. 
I'm surprised she can probably even sign her own name. And she thinks, you know, that she's sort of Katie Price. You look at, when you, have you ever seen her in the flesh? <sighs> right, you know, I don't want to be rude, but dear God in heaven, I mean, you could trowel it with polyfiller and that would just about work. Just about work. But uh, so awful to every single one of them. Every, in fact, I think she's due in court in January with Peter Andre. So, oh, sorry, which would be quite uh, interesting, because every other time she's been in, she seems to have lost big time. Uh, David Walliams is turning his talent to boosting kids' literacy. He's an interesting one, isn't he, David Walliams? You can't work out if he's stark staring mad, or he's, because the, uh, the wife left, if you remember, just sort of up and went, and she took the baby and the dog. And I can't quite work out. We never got the answer. Not that I think we should, we should have an answer. Not that I think we, we should, you know, be able to sort of understand why somebody's marriage collapses. But in the case of David Walliams, do you think that he's as mad as a fruitcake at home? Or do you think he wants to sort of, he, he sort of plays, I mean, I don't, perhaps he isn't funny at home. Because sometimes people marry comedians and you suddenly realise that's what they do for a living. Be like sort of marrying a carpenter and, you know, you go out on a date and he starts making a wardrobe in the restaurant. It's, it's as silly as that. You know, people expect, don't they, for, you know, for sort of comedians to be funny all the time. Well, they're funny when they're on stage. That's what they're being paid for. You don't expect, you know, a radio presenter to go, well, how are you? The other day I was reading and you just don't do that, do you? It's not normal, not normal behaviour. Well, as far as I know, actually. <laughs> I haven't actually, Warren, as yet. Is that one that came out today? Is that one that came out today? If so, I shall, I shall find out a little bit later on. I've got, uh, I've got interviews to do uh, tomorrow for In Conversation, which is good. As I say, I wasn't happy yesterday when I got the message through that Shane Phelan's uh, PR has had to reschedule his, uh, his interview with me. I've got a sneaky... If I turn on anything tomorrow and I see Shane Phelan on it, I'm going to be so deeply unhappy, ladies and gentlemen. He might not feature on my programme. <laughs> You know, that's what they actually do now. That's what they do. They always play programmes off. And you think, listen, that's been in our, our diary for a little while. And then they go, oh, we have to reschedule it. Well, perhaps I don't want to reschedule. Perhaps I don't want to talk to him. But I do want to talk to him. That's the stupid thing. But it's always the way, isn't it? You sort of get something going. You think, oh, that's great this week. We've got a really nice one. We've still got a nice one. But it's a case of I wanted it to be him this week because I've been telling people it makes me look stupid. Now you have to say to all the Shane fans, I'm terribly sorry, his PR's rescheduled. Unless it's due to illness, you know, and if it is, then I apologise. But I'm hoping if it isn't illness and they've booked him onto another programme, I'm going to be really, really angry. And you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Uh, what's the time? Five to five. I don't know why I tell you the time. It doesn't make any difference at all, does it? Uh, the war veteran who fell in the nursing home, four hours on the floor waiting for the paramedics. Makes old uh, Watsit's daughter sitting for two hours outside Parliament look as though she hadn't even started. Um, what well, made... What makes Pringles so addictive? I can't work it out either. It's not possible to eat one Pringle. These are these crisps. They're all the same because they're made on a, on a machine. So if one's got a hole in it, they've all got holes in it. And I have to be honest, I do love Pringles with either salad cream or Thousand Island dressing. And do you know that you can use Pringles as a coating for chicken? Did you know that? A lot of people do that. Yeah, if you actually get chicken pieces and you, you get some Pringles or crisps or anything you want, really, and you mash them all up in a bag... And then you use it as a coating. So, in other words, you dip the chicken in egg, and then you you dip it in the crisps, and the crisps are, so you get crispy chicken. You didn't know that? <laughs> God, is this program educational? It really is fantastic. It really is fantastic. Yes, I've I saw that done actually uh, somewhere on television ages ago. It's like I saw somebody cooking a salmon in the dishwasher. 
you can cook a salmon in dishwasher because it's hot water. It's poaching it. So you just literally, I think they actually took the salmon. What do they do with it? Do they wrap it? They might have wrapped it in newspaper. They didn't put, obviously, you know, the soap in and all the rest of it. They just let it go through the cycle and it cooked it perfectly. So when you took it out, it literally fell apart. Delicious. Trucker Bob says, I pay my taxes. I don't care if I was conscious or not. I wouldn't expect to sit on the pavement waiting for two hours for an ambulance that I pay towards each month out of my wages. Well, you would if, say, you know, if there was an emergency down the road, just supposing, you know, a coach had overturned and there were children in it or elderly people, and they said, we don't have any ambulances at the moment. They're all attending this, this emergency. You would expect to sit there and wait, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I would expect to sit there and wait. I wouldn't be very happy about it, but if it was, if it was somebody else, you know, and I was thinking, well, you know, they, they can actually save somebody's life, then I would, I would happily go that. I would happily go there. I mean, I, it wouldn't bother me. I'd have to afterwards say, you know, I'm really sorry I had these dreadful thoughts about it. <laughs> Steve, hairdresser's gay. I'm going to check all the salons we have in Twickenham, all 35 of them. We do see, it's the biggest growth, isn't it? Polish hairdressers, they're everywhere. Because all you need to set up is a couple of chairs, a couple of mirrors, a hairdryer and a pair of scissors. It seems everybody in Poland is a hairdresser. I've lost track in Twickenham how many Polish hairdressers we've got. Loads. My hairdresser, Kasia, is Polish. And she's been there for for quite some time. And uh, I only let her cut my hair. She's the only one. And she's not gay, by the way. But uh, she, uh, although I think male hairdressers, absolutely gay. I mean, you see them driving cars. They're side saddle, aren't they? And... uh, and one says, I'm a chef and a Christian and not gay. What are you telling me? You're telling me that you can't be a gay Christian? I think you're fine. There's loads of gay Christian groups. There's loads of gay Muslim groups. Loads of gay Muslim groups. There's loads of gay Jewish groups. There's loads of everything. There's absolutely everything. Orthodox Jewish gay groups. They're, I mean, just anything now. There's even... God forbid, wait for this one. This is going to rock your boat. There's even gay radio presenters. I don't think there's a club. I don't think it's a club. I think that they're just sort of, they're known, you know. So, I mean, I, I know, <laughs> call me foolish, but there you go. Uh, other stories which are coming up in the uh, news this morning. What is the secret to a happy marriage? A man who still loves you when you're leaning over the loo being sick. Who could that be? Yes, she's one of my favourite girls, and it's Fern Britton. From Ready Steady Cook to This Morning to Strictly to Time Crashers to just about everything. She's my favourite person and she's talking about life with her hubby who is the the chef Phil Vickery. Love him. They seem to be absolutely perfect together. Talking of perfect together, the uh, stories which are going to raise your game today. Laughter really is infectious. Oh, the weather's on the turn, by the way. Thought I'd chuck that one in at the moment. Uh, The latest way to avoid childbirth, hypnotise yourself. Is that possible to hypnotise? In that way, you must better make make yourself sort of weaned off for smoking, I suppose. Uh, The April gag outrage. Uh, The two kids posing on the beach. What are they with? It's a World War II bomb. Uh, They finally found a few things for Prince Harry to do. It's not really a full-time job, but then having seen what Prince Andrew's daughters don't do, it makes it look like he's the most hard-working person there. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. The news is next. On FM. Online. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 19th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Uh, another old has-been joins the Strictly lineup. Actually, this year is almost more dreary than you can ever imagine. If the best they've got is Jeremy Vine, Ainsley Harriet, and now the Weather Girl off the breakfast programme. God, blimey, honestly. They've scraped some barrels in their time. They only need to announce Peter Andre, and that's it. I'm leaving the country. Elton's uh, having a bit of a war with the Mayor of Venice who has axed gay books in school. Elton has a house over there, as you know. 
what makes Pringles so infuriatingly addictive? I don't know. MSG, I suppose, or something like that. Uh, Cheryl launches a perfume. Hilarious. And two friends posing on the beach with a bomb. Ray Winston, who says that Britons are becoming too soft. People pick up the telephone, call the police at the drop of a hat. That's it nowadays, you know, they have... I mean, we've seen the hilarious calls that the police get, or as I prefer to call them, time wasters. People who sort of call up and say, you know, oh, you know, my neighbours just sort of banged on my door three times and I've told them I don't want to talk to them. And they think this is something... And the police, like, have got so much better things to do. So much better things to do. You know, the China... I mean, the, the, the one about the Chinese... Takeaway really is quite serious. Somebody did phone up and say that the Chinese takeaway never turned up. You think, these, these people, I mean, how these people even operate a telephone, I've got no idea. You can't actually believe that there are people out there. And they vote. Yeah, and they vote as well. The summer brolly days, storms, floods and a tornado threat. I don't mind that. That's good. The soggy weather is going to take a hold. And the Spitfires saluting the hardest day. Thousands watched in awe as 24 Second World War fighter planes reached for the skies in a 75th anniversary flypass to mark the Battle of Britain's hardest day. And uh, what a sight. The unmistakable drone of the Spitfire and the Hurricane Rolls-Royce Merlin engines were heard above Kent, Surrey, Sussex, Hampshire and London, commemorating August the 18th, 1940, when the air bases came under attack from the German Luftwaffe. Both sides recorded their greatest loss of aircraft during the battle. And yesterday, the fighters took off from Biggin Hill, joined by veterans of the dogfights, including Hurricane pilot and squadron leader Tony Pickering. A lone American P-51 Mustang fighter took part in the three flights flying east, west and south, east, which travelled over the Battle of Britain Memorial at Capel Le Fern on the White Cliffs of Dover. Then they went back to Biggin Hill and a lone Spitfire performed a victory roll. Memories. Memories for a lot of people. Memories for a lot of people. A lot of people. And uh, some of these veterans still out there. And uh, the memories it must have brought back for them. Absolutely fantastic. I, was, I missed the Biggin Hill Air Show. That was sort of axed, wasn't it? A couple of years back. I don't know why. It was a tremendously popular. Everybody loved it. All the things that are terribly popular in this country. It's like the Royal Tournament. You know, the Royal Tournament was one of the best things that Earl's Court ever did. I know they're pulling it down to stick in a housing estate like what we need in London is more housing. (laughs) Can't believe it. More housing going up there. So we lose Earl's Court, the site of of many an interesting day out when you went to the Boys and Girls exhibition, the Ideal Home Show. I went there to see David Copperfield doing his magic show. Seen seen loads of things there. Barn of a place. And now they're going to pull it down. And again, I think they've started. And they're putting up a housing estate there. You imagine that tiddly little road outside there, which has only got two lanes, and all of a sudden there's going to be thousands more cars coming out of there. Because most houses now have got at least two cars, if not three. If you've got two, two grown-up children and mum and dad, and everybody's working, the chances are there's four cars. Well, I don't know where they're going to go to. Earl's Court's bad enough as it is. Perhaps we'll have to go underground, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Steve, you're right about the people with the uh, expensive cars driving around for a wedding. Luton is plagued with them. Mind you, big improvement from some of the other things we've seen. Yes, I agree with you. What is it about this show-off attitude? You know, is it a case of, yeah, I'm I'm driving a Ferrari? And you think, well, you don't normally drive a Ferrari. Why are you driving one now? It's because you're showing off. How, how unintelligent is that? We're renting a Ferrari. Oh, great. Imagine the bride being quite disappointed. Oh, we've got a Ferrari. He's got a Ferrari. Oh, it's rented. 850 quid a day. Are you mad? And then, of course, he couldn't drive it. Fool. So they've had to write it off. Five grand deposit he put down. 
It's not going to go very far, is it? Uh, lots of pictures in the papers of uh, some stick insect out there with two marbles stuck at the top. Oh, it's Cheryl Cole, I do beg your pardon. And uh, Cheryl's launching another one of her fantastically rivetingly exciting perfumes. And um, her, 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 her fragrance is called Stormflower Noir, Stormflower Black. And so she was wearing black with what can only be described as a noose around her neck. One of these sort of strange choker effects. Unfortunately, because she's as thin as a rake, she just looked ill. And so she launched this to the adoring public, like, like she created it in a laboratory. It's, it's a bit like saying, oh, did you make that perfume? Uh, no. <laughs> what did you do with it then, darling? Somebody just made it and they went, oh, do you like that? That all right? Like that? Oh, that's good, isn't it? And then she probably sort of smelt it and went, yeah, that'll do. And they went, OK, well, we're going to call it Stormflower Noir. Is it really expensive? You know, because if you're buying a bottle, you know, if I'm buying a bottle of aftershave now or eau de toilette, I'm looking at £55. Hers is twenty three ninety nine. You know, it's the lower end of the market, you know, and it's because you aren't worth it. So that's why They're, they obviously think that if they make it any more than 25 quid, you might not be able to afford it at all. So if they make it cheap enough, you can you can use it. It's good, isn't it? Who buys it? I've got no idea. What sort of people would buy into somebody like that? I mean, you know, she, she's not a perfumier. Is that what they call them? Perfumier? She doesn't make the stuff. She doesn't design anything. She couldn't design anything in her life. She'd just about do a little dance. And even that takes her ages to sort of get round to. Jane Seymour. We've had Jane Seymour on in conversation a couple of times, actually. Uh, after four husbands, she's found love at last, which is good news. She says, but uh, another marriage? I'm not answering that one. She says, my exes are friends with each other and joke about their time with me. How funny. She married Michael uh, Attenborough uh, when she was 20. Geoffrey Plainer when she was 26. That lasted a year. Michael lasted two years. And uh, David Flynn lasted 10 years. And James Keach lasted 20 years. So that was quite good. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, the, the track record's not bad. Not bad as it goes. But she's not answering whether or not... The latest one is the man, is the man. His name's uh, David, and uh, this could be could be the fifth one. But she's on uh, Who Do You Think You Are, exploring the fate of her European Jewish relatives. But uh, the present is a far happier place for her. He's a uh, director, David Green. Uh, this is about 30 years, I think, after their paths first crossed. So you do sometimes do that. I mean, I sometimes go back... Well, I don't, actually, but in my mind, I go back to the first person. You know, you do that, don't you? Your, your, your very first relationship. You think to yourself, I wonder what they're doing now. What if they're happy? What if, they, if it could have lasted with me? You always think about things like that. And then you always sort of think, why did it fizzle out? Why did it not work? And you, and you go through all these things in your mind, and then you think, actually, most of my friends are single. Most of my friends are single. And happy to be so. Really happy to be so. I've got uh, lots and lots of friends. In fact, I'm trying to think, actually, out of all my friends, how many are actually in relationships? And it's probably about 30%. The majority of them are single, though. It used to be a bit of a, a, bit of a millstone around, around people's necks. They used to say, oh, if you're sing- ooh, single, almost like there was some sort of something attached to it. And I used to say to somebody, what's the matter with being single? They say, oh, you're going to be lonely. I go, you're joking, of course. Anything but... Anything but, my God, you long for solitude. You long for solitude. I can't wait to get in and shut the door. Thank God. <laughs> I always shout, you know, I'm back. You suddenly think, oh, I live by myself. <laughs> Kim says, do you think the perfume smelled of fish and chips? I don't know. I'm working on the assumption that if you're spending twenty three ninety nine on a perfume, bearing in mind you've got to take money out for packaging and the bottle and things like that, you're looking at something fairly cheap. You're not looking at anything particularly classy. Presumably the biggest class thing in there... Is, uh, is her, because she probably costs so much money. 
but uh, but they gave them, you know, out out to people, and people obviously like that kind of thing. I think it's a certain market, though, isn't it? I think it's I think it's a market. I I, I don't think actually, you know, it's uh, it's going to appeal to anybody who's got any any sort of fashion. You know, you're not going to go into somebody's designer house and go, oh, you have Cheryl Cole's perfume, and they're going to go, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why I laugh at it, actually. It's just because I can't think of anything else that the poor soul can do. I really don't think she can do anything at all. She's tried the singing. She's not much cop on the X Factor. She doesn't really contribute to anything. I mean, she just sort of sits there and obviously, you know, am I looking beautiful? I look in the mirror. What is it? That kind of thing. Uh, the Big In Air show came back last year for a four-year contract. Really? No, it's... Oh, we didn't know that. We're going to have to check, actually. We shall check. Um... I didn't think... I don't know why they stopped it. LBC came from there a few years back. We had a we had a show that came from there. I quite liked it. I quite liked it. Dear Colleen, or as I prefer to call her, Dear Stinky Ashtray. Because you know Colleen uh, smells a lot. Uh, Festival of Flight, 13th of June, 2015. Oh, so they've had it, have they? Oh, right. Informa- tw- oh, no, Festival of Flight 2016. Which they've got here. Now, is it is it what we think it is? What does it say? Travel... Your attention. Uh, what is the festival of flight, and what time do the gates open and close? They say it opens at nine thirty, finishes at five thirty, and local air cadets and air scouts will be on hand to assist if required. This is for um, vehicles displaying the blue badge. Will there be food or drink available? But uh, you can take your own picnic to this one. How many people are on a family ticket? Two adults, three children, or dogs allowed? Only assistance dogs. And the flying expected to uh, start about one thirty, finish about 5.30. And there's a vintage and modern, modern fun fair and a model zone. Oh, it sounds quite good, doesn't it? Oh, I quite like the idea of that. Oh, good, I'm glad it's come back again. I like that idea. Well, how, how much is it to go? I'm curious about how much ticket prices are. Oh, here we go. Tickets are not available on the day, so it's no good just turning up and... Uh, they haven't announced the prices. But you can have a, an infant free. But how many infants go by themselves? You know, unless you see them driving big cars now. Adults. If you're 16 and over, you're an adult now. A child is 6 to 15. That's a child at 15. <laughs> or in the case of Zayn Malik, 6 to 15 kind of covers it, really. And, uh, and a family ticket is two adults and three children. What happens if you've got four? You presumably have to pay for the child if they're 6 to 15 years old. It can be a very expensive day out. But they've got also... A single car hanger, which will go with each family ticket. The hanger will assist the traffic staff to confirm. Oh, right. I quite like the idea, actually. I do like a good air show. I like anything that's actually entertaining for, for, for the public, because it's, it's great when you can just sit down and sort of look up at the sky. And they, When we went to it last time, they had all sorts of memorabilia there. You can buy bits of Concorde, bits of this plane, bits of that plane. Great fun. Great fun. So, uh, so back again next year. Gosh, we shall tell you all about it. Anyway, I was going to mention very quickly, dear, dear Colleen, Britain's most straight-talking problem page. Do you really think she does this, or do you think it's done for her? I don't know. But uh, she's talking about, do we tell our pal that her lover cheated with another man? Wasn't a, wasn't a rugby player, was he, again? Getting a bit bored with people in the sport world coming out. Getting quite tedious. It's a veritable fairyland out there. I had no idea. Quarter past five. Holy moly, or holy molar, I should Nick say. Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. Look at the team this morning. as a woman's left in agony for two hours. It's Gerald Ratner's daughter. Uh, is the ambulance service Third World? And uh, the DWP admits to using fake claimants 
in a benefits leaflet. Well, I've never believed that any of the people they used in any advertising campaigns were genuine people. I myself went for a, a job oh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago now, where they were looking for somebody to be a, a DIY expert. And you just had to say, because they, you see them on the adverts, on these info commercials, people going, I used this and it was fantastic. They're actors. They're just, you know, they, they sometimes say, you know, we've used somebody else's voiceover or whatever it happens to be. And it's just people endorsing things. So the fact that the DWP have used fake claimants in a benefits leaflet, they would just, I mean, why would a, a genuine person want to be on there anyway? They probably said no. And so they went, let's get an actor in and they get an actor in and they then do it. Plus, you can hear how one cafe owner has caused uproar in the town where little April Jones was abducted and murdered. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Personally, I mean, I'd have had the cafe closed down immediately. I'm surprised it's still in business. This little girl, uh, April Jones, was abducted uh, some years ago. And they've said, if you eat cake, you put on weight and then you won't get abducted. In the t- I mean, <laughs> I held my hands up on that one. I just couldn't imagine how anybody could be actually that insensitive, that unfeeling, that uncaring. You know, this this little girl went uh, went missing. It was a child abduction. And uh, he was found guilty, the man, uh, Mark Bridger, of murder, child abduction, unlawful concealment and disposal of a body. I mean, I just find it. He's, he's been told he'll never be released from prison. And here is a little cafe. I mean, you can't quite make it up, can you? I mean, if, 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 it, if it was a joke, it would be the worst possible joke ever. And they've put a sign up in the same place where she came from in the same place, to say, you know, if you eat cake, then you'll put on weight and you won't get abducted. I mean, oh, God. I just, you, you despair, don't you? You absolutely despair at the, at the rank stupidity of this person. As I say, I'll be surprised if the, if the place is in business by the end of today. It's hit all the newspapers. And uh, Nick Ferrari will be discussing it today. I mean, they'll have had to have taken this down. It was written on a chalkboard. Absol- I mean, it is so appalling. I, I, there's nothing I can... I can I can say about it, really. Uh, I, I also, I wasn't too sure what to say about this next story, which I was going to use on my uh, free podcast for today. You know, we have a free podcast every day, which is generally celebrity based, which is a lot of my programme anyway. Uh, but this time it's the man who sells every aspect of his entire life. The moment he wakes up and sneezes and breaks wind, he writes about it. Yes, Peter Andre, who sells everything in his life. He seriously believes that people are interested. In his latest little column for New Magazine, he's revealed his eldest child, this is Junior, who's ten, has started asking, I mean, this can only have come from Peter Andre, awkward questions about the birds and the bees. I suppose for Peter Andre, who never quite got to grips with it himself, it would be fairly awkward. You thought he'd be intelligent enough to be able to understand how to explain to a ten-year-old. I'm assuming at ten years old they get sex education at school. Let's face it, most of them are pregnant at twelve, so they must be getting it from somewhere. And his eldest child keeps quizzing him on what a virgin is. Why would that be complicated for Peter Andre, unless he doesn't have the gift of, uh, of articulation, on explaining what a virgin is? Why would that be so complicated? It gets worse, though. He says, one of the questions I keep getting asked a lot is, what's a virgin? Oh, my God, writes Peter, who does come from one of those worlds. I got round it by telling him, in a drink, virgin means no alcohol, and that's all you need to know right now. What? In a drink, virgin means no alcohol. So his ten-year-old son, who presumably goes to school... And presumably, school kids talk about all sorts of things. His father, when he says, what's a virgin? Because people obviously said to him, are you a virgin? I don't think they'll bother with the mother, but I think they'll probably say to him, are you a virgin? So he goes home and virgin means no alcohol. And that's all you need to know. I mean, 
you know, rank stupidity from Peter Andre lurches from one disaster to another. At ten years old, you can't even explain to your son what a virgin is. Blimey. Also, Junior seems fairly keen to clarify where babies come from. Methinks Junior's going to be one of those coming home going, Dad, this is my wife. <laughs> because, and we both haven't had a drink. You just imagine, can't you? I mean, Peter Andre just makes himself out to be the biggest idiot under the sun. You know, he's, he's put his kids through television. They've had cameras following every bit of them. And he can't explain about the birds and the bees. I mean, I really find it quite depressing. Quite depressing. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Uh, I'm amused to hear your comments, says John, that there must be other gay rugby players. Well, I'm only guessing. I'm only guessing. John says, uh, have you seen rugby? A pitch full of men wearing incredibly tight clothes, all trying to grab each other and periodically going into a group hug. They call it a scrum, but I know a group hug when I see one. It looks like a sport designed for gay men to me. Oh, it is. Well, in fact, the first time, I believe, that uh, man the other day saw people going to a scrum, he thought they were talking about him. He became very insecure. It is right, although if you see Australian football, they're even tighter clothes on there. And there is something about men who play rugby. They all want to sort of, you know, sit in a bath together. I've never felt the need, need to sort of sit in a, in a bath together. But you know, of course, that Keegan Hurst told us there are no gays in Batley. Even though it sounds a little bit slightly left of centre, doesn't it? Where'd you come from, love? Come from Batley. Oh, where, where the gay rugby players come from. You know, he, he, he doesn't know any gays in Batley. Whereas we did point out yesterday, and I was talking to a friend of mine, I said, listen, if he knew he was gay since he was 15, surely he's had experiences. I think he's got a relationship at the moment. I think he's in one. Otherwise, why would he pick now to sort of to dump the wife? who apparently is going through some dreadful turmoil, as you would. It's all right to lose somebody to another woman. You can, you can be scorned like Abby Cohen, and you can write about it in the paper, sort of saying how disgraceful it is that Christina Rianoff, you know, she just picks up other people's husbands, which, of course, she does. And, uh, and she has affairs with them, and then she sells the story of them. It's all a bit tedious. But uh, she's bringing out a calendar. I should imagine the first one will be going to Abby Cohen. will be throwing darts at it. They'll be, oh, here's Christina... <laughs> You know what it's like. People, nothing worse than a woman scorned. Very shortly, you're going to be having, I should imagine, Keegan Davis's, uh, Keegan Hurst, his, uh, his wife, doing her story in the paper. Because they'll be interested in, um, in sort of how the wife feels. Gutted, I should imagine. She's now got two kids. He'll presumably have to, uh, to support them. Uh, Tony Poledri. Now, we don't know if he's in, in France at the moment, whether he's back here. But uh, I have to say a big thank you. Uh, because Tracy, one of the lovelies, was in Little Italy, celebrating with her children after exam results. Actually, this year, the kids did quite well, didn't the kids? Honestly, I'm so sorry. Every time I say kids, somebody writes in and goes, they're not goats, you know. I go, well, they're not my children, so they're kids as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, they were celebrating exam results, and Tony very kindly sent them a bottle of Prosecco. Just the one. <laughs> somebody was talking to me about Prosecco. Somebody would need to tell me. Um... Because somebody said the other day, you know, we had a story on LBC and it was about uh, the fact that men over 55, <laughs> when I get there, I'll let you know, can drink more, apparently. But Prosecco isn't as alcoholic as wine. Prosecco, I'm led to believe. I, I don't know whether this is true. My friend Graham told me, so I have to take his word for it because he he runs up huge bills in places, huge bills on, on booze mainly. He said it's about 11 percent. Prosecco. Is that right? Oh, there you go. Prosecco's 11%. I don't think that means you can drink copious amounts. But remember I told you the other day, five of us went out on Sunday and had a roast in a place called King's, which was lovely, down in Botley. And, uh, and it was £100 for five of us. My friend Graham can spend that on one bottle of wine. 
He can seriously run up a £1,000 bill for lunch. I mean, you know, having, you know, drinks. It's not the food that costs the money, it's the booze. And the more, the more classy the booze, the better it is. There you go, compared to other sparkling wines, Prosecco is low in alcohol. Uh, about 11 to 12%. The flavour of Prosecco has been described as aromatic and crisp. Bringing to mind yellow, apple, pear, white peach and apricot. Where do they get this from? Every time I've opened, you know, a bottle of Prosecco, I go, mmm, peach. Mmm, apricot. It's a bit like Mary Poppins, you know, pouring out the different things from the same bottle. But uh, unlike champagne, Prosecco does not ferment in the bottle and it grows stale with time. So in other words, you've got to drink it young. Don't sort of, I've seen people going out to supermarkets and buying bottles of wine at two ninety nine and going, I think I'll keep this in, as, an, as an investment. I said, if you keep it longer than Christmas, it'll be vinegar. Do not bother. Drink it. Drink it now. But uh, most Prosecco variants have intense primary aromas and are meant to taste fresh, light and comparatively simple. I think it's eminently drinkable. I've single-handedly started the, the, the Prosecco market in this country. More people are drinking it at weddings now. The one thing you've got to do with it... It's got to be chilled. And when I say chilled, the colder it is, the better it is. So really, really nicely cold. Nicely cold. And that way you'll have a very happy experience. And it goes with anything. Goes with this shirt. Goes with these jeans. Goes with anything at all. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 26 minutes to 6. My friend uh, Dawn and Pete and Poppy and other people are over in America. And they're in Hollywood. And I'd said to them, when you, I think they were driving from... San Francisco to Hollywood. Well, wasn't the other way around. Anyway, whatever it was, I said, you've got to go to Hearst Castle. Well, apparently the traffic on the uh, the road by Hearst Castle was so awful that they didn't get to go there. But they did send me a lovely picture of them polishing my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes, there is a star there for Steve Allen, the radio presenter. And uh, very happy. I, I mean, it cost a lot of money and I had it. And I didn't want to make a big fuss about it. So they've just sent me a picture of it being cleaned, which is lovely. So thank you very much. And, de- and said, I didn't realise that you were that big in Hollywood. And uh, so, Pete, they were walking down Vine, which is off Hollywood Boulevard, and then saw your star. So Den gave it a clean for you. It's radio as well. Funny thing is, we've just got back to the hotel and Den has only just realised it's not really your star. Well, don't spoil it. Just keep it going. Tell him it's mine. And says, but I bet there are tourists from the UK that would think it's you. We went past Hearst Castle. Didn't have time to go as the traffic on Highway 1 was terrible. Beautiful road, though. And we will have a get back and a good old chat about it. So Dawn, Poppy and Pete having some lovely weather over in America. And uh, I'm in between on the Hollywood Boulevard stars. Guess who I'm in between? I mean, you won't believe this. The Steve Allen star on the Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, quite clearly, it's not me. I'm in between John Wayne and Michael Jackson. How cool is that? How cool... Oh, there it is. How cool is that? But the next one up is John Wayne, and the one underneath is Michael Jackson. I'm the sandwich in the middle. <laughs> How posh is that, eh? Eat your heart out, everybody else. Oh, old, old Brian will be so jealous. He'll be so jealous about that. And, um, and Steve Allen is there. Not as attractive as I am. And he did die some time ago. Because he was he was very popular. Actually, we've probably both got the same glasses. His, his, his name really... So, so I'm just Steve Allen. He was Stephen Valentine Patrick William Allen. Isn't it funny? My middle name's William as well. Oh, Kelly. Mind you, all our family are William. We weren't very imaginative at all. Uh, was it A&E, says Trevor, with the wife on Monday night? Family arrived with a teenager. They'd wheeled from the car in one of those yellow hospital wheelchairs. She had almost no skin left at the top of one arm, her side and one leg. She'd been run over. 
and was told by the police that an ambulance would take about two hours as they were really busy. Police suggest they take themselves as the police were not insured to do so. No, they're, they're not. Su- well, I didn't think they were supposed to for things like that. It's difficult, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, you know, how that works anyway. Uh, can you tell people to be very careful at traffic lights? As people try and wash the windscreens. Oh, I, I don't have anything. I'm just, don't, t- don't touch the car. You're going home in a wheelchair. I, I have no truck with them whatsoever. We don't, uh, we don't have any of that kind of stuff. In fact, we've actually lost them. But do, can I just advise you? Because they do operate up and down the length and breadth of the country. Many of them are thieves. And you've got to make sure, because I know a lot of you, and I've done it myself, you keep your phone on the seat next to you. You've probably got a wallet on there or a bag if you're a woman. Make sure the doors are locked. Okay, make sure the doors are locked. I remember seeing that as I drove up the Goldhawk Road in Shepherd's Bush some years ago when I was driving back from our uh, offices. And the car in, about two cars in front, there were some kids and they were walking the line of the car. They were all sitting in traffic. And obviously the guy's door was locked. And so they, they gestured to the guy to wind the window down, as you would. So somebody goes, excuse me. And you wind the window down. It was at that moment he wound the window down that they grabbed the wallet and the phone and they ran. And he was he was stuck in traffic. He couldn't do anything about it. So my advice is make sure your doors are locked when you're in the car. A few months ago, producer Chris, a guy tried to get into his car while he was driving in to read the travel on the Sunday breakfast show. You've, I mean, you've really got to make sure your doors are locked. You know, and if anybody says, they say, what, what do you want? Wind your window down. What do you want? I don't wind, don't wind your window down at all. Very dangerous for anybody. It's not just here in London. It's, it's called being aware. But you do see it happening more and more. Uh, I agree with your frustration, says Paul. Rebenefit culture. However, I've heard myself uh, a piece of advice from a council worker. You need to make yourself homeless so we can give you a council property. Hackney Council. Well, exactly. Well, that's how it works. That's why that guy took his son down there and said, you know, uh, I'm kicking him out today. So he's, he's homeless and he's got cerebral palsy. So you've got to house him. And they went. Oh, we haven't got any housing. So the bluff didn't work. So you had to take him all the way back home again. Uh, 84850, steve at Little uh, Julie says, were your ears burning at four o'clock yesterday? I don't think so. Oh, you were talking about me. Ah, me and my friend Emily, she says. We're having a good chuckle about yesterday's show, Re Miss Collins. Please, God, she's not going on uh, Strictly Come Dancing. It's bad enough thinking Mr Andre might be going on there. Mr Andrex. This is the one who couldn't tell his ten-year-old, ten-year-old, mind you, where where babies come from and what a virgin is. I mean, really. (laughs) Perhaps they'd be better off asking Mummy. Mummy seems to be well-versed in that kind of thing, and I'm sure that she'll be able to explain it in words that only they will understand, ladies and gentlemen. And he's got a column. You know, amazing, isn't it, really? Very, very disappointed. Very disappointed. Uh, 84850, steve at uk on the subject of uh, Strictly. Is it a rite of passage, says Tony, that everybody from The Breakfast Show has to do the dancing programme? Susanna Reid, Bill Turnbull, Carol Kirkwood. Uh, like you say, it will be the worst line-up if Peter Andre's announced. And do you think Sper- Cheryl Spagbowl's new perfume will be in the pound shops for Christmas? Well, I think it'll be in for November. Do you not think so? I mean, who, who buys it? That's what we couldn't work out. We, we, we weren't very good at working out who actually buys all these sort of things. And, and I've got no idea. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's sort, of, it's sort of 12-year-old girls. Can't see it being anybody else, can you? I don't think so. No, wait a minute. Now, what do I do with this to... to ah, that's right. If I, oh, wait a minute. If I move that to there... So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of move my uh, screens about. Oh, maybe I've managed it by myself. Do you know I'm getting better, actually? 
I think I'm getting better at sort of moving screens about. In the stu- it doesn't mean anything to you, but if you're listening in stereo, I'm in the left-hand side. OK, the, the other side is all the, uh, is all the technical stuff. And I, I do, try and, uh, do try and get round to it. Uh, apparently, Primark are going to open their first US store in Boston in September and announce they're opening in Italy. Well, I mean, well, they would do. There's, there's a market for that sort of clothing. There is a market for people having cheap clothing. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it's all about. They're, they're not in the business of doing high fashion. They're doing what they call disposable fashion. The whole idea is that you buy something and uh, after you've worn it for a year, and it go, you throw it away. It's, it's that cheap. You can do that with it. Whereas on my Tommy Bahama shirts, as you know, not that I've ever mentioned them on the programme, I've got some I'm wearing that are like 10 years old. And they still look as good as new. Well, I mean, I think they do. But there again, my eyesight's rubbish. Uh, one show, uh, a great show again, says Ashley. Reference the salmon in the dishwasher. Go to Costco, buy a side of salmon, wrap in silver foil, not tight. Make sure it's sealed with crushed black pepper, lemon and lemon juice. Put on the full cycle. Best salmon you'll ever have. Bless you. Can I do that, do you think, in Costco? Do you think Costco will allow me to do that in there? It, I'd forgotten to wrap it. I thought they did it in newspaper. I'm sure they did it on Blue Peter some years ago. Uh, Steve, Presswick Air Show, September 5th and 6th. Flying both days include Lancaster, Spitfire and the star from last year, the Vulcan. Came over the flats about 20 feet above the top. Have you, when, they, when those Vulcan come over, you, doesn't it just not get you go, Wow. I mean, obviously, I'm way too young to remember the war years or anything like that. But I was sitting, I told you, outside of the um, uh, one of the coffee shops in the Strand when there was a fly pass that came over. My God, it was impressive. All the way down the length of the Strand. And I looked at it and they had vapour trails coming out all in different colours. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Saul says you should be careful locking the door if you have an accident. Could hamper the emergency services. Listen, if the emergency service is going to be hampered by a locked door, they smash the window. I couldn't care less. If you seriously think that anybody in this country is stupid enough to leave the door unlocked and leave money or a phone on the seat, you must be barking mad. Um, Try and creep, put as many in. I was going to do a thing about, about laughter, actually, because apparently laughter is infectious. And, in fact, it's more infectious than depression. You can't catch misery. So if somebody's miserable, that doesn't rub off on you. But if somebody's got an infectious laugh and they make you laugh, then that makes you laugh. And laughter is, they say, the best policy. Um, They checked with scientists from Manchester and Warwick University. They analysed data. And the teenagers were asked to name up to ten friends and all were then quizzed on their mental health twice over a year. And the answers revealed that happiness was contagious, with someone's good mood tending to rub off on their companions. And that does work like that, doesn't it? I've got certain, certain friends of mine who I think are funnier than I am. That's why I don't talk to them. It's easier that. There's no point in going out with somebody who is funnier than you are, because you sit there thinking, I think I'm the funny one, OK? I'm the funny one. I do it for a living. This is what I do on the radio. Now I'm being undermined. So I don't go out. I don't speak to them. I don't send them cards. I don't answer their phone calls. I don't have anything to do with them at all. They are, as far as I'm concerned, persona non grata. The sort of people I want to go out with are dull and dreary, because that way I look even funnier. You know, so you always hang out. It's like you'll always find, won't you? There'll be somebody in the group who is the joker. The person who is, you know, always got a quick retort, a quick witty one-liner. I've always got an answer for everything. There is nothing that I do not have an answer for. Well, redundancies are fairly popular. I can't think of any answers for redundancy. But I, I just love thinking sometimes somebody will in the middle of a conversation and I can't stop myself. I cannot. I just have to chip in. I cannot help it. It's because of the nature of what I do for a living that you sort of sit there and you oh, I can't do it. Imagine me doing a double-headed programme. It would drive you. I'd be sitting there going, I'm biting my tongue. 
It, I find it really, really difficult. Very difficult. Uh, here is the story. It's in every paper today. Gerald Ratner slamming the ambulance service. Oh, goodness. How ungrateful are you? You know, the wife had to drive over there because quite clearly she was OK. Uh, she came off her bike and they sent for an ambulance. So, you know, he's done a whole page in the mail today. Um, they said it wasn't, uh, you know, top priority. Well, I mean, you know, pfft, it wasn't. If she was conscious, it's not top priority. There might be somebody else down the road. There might only be so many, you know, ambulances that are available in a particular area. There was a policeman with her. They can't take her in the car. So, you know, either, you know, the policeman could have put her in a taxi. I mean, why would you sit there for two hours? Because normally they say the ambulance is on the way and they give you a rough idea. Like having a delivery, isn't it? They sort of say, you know, it'll be with you in a, in a few minutes. But in this case, it was two hours. So he's complained about it bitterly. Mind you, this is the man who his uh, jewellery business plummeted in value in 91 when he described its cut glass sherry decanters as total crap. And that, of course, killed... Because ever since then, that's all we thought about Ratness, wasn't it? You never thought that it was ever anything classy. He also claimed its earrings were cheaper than an M&S prawn sandwich, but probably wouldn't last as long. Effectively killing the uh, the goose, I'm afraid. So so you have to wait two hours, you know? Pfft. Eventually, the wife went down there, took her to a hospital. End of story. Stop moaning about it. Goodness sake, honestly. There's nothing worse than a dreary jeweller droning on. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to 6, Wednesday the 19th of August. I finally found something for Prince Harry to do. Up until now, he was just sort of standing there twiddling his thumbs. So they've sort of revealed that he's going to be going to South Africa and he's going to be opening a children's centre in Lesotho. So that's two things for him to do. And apparently this is called full time. But in the royal family, they have very odd ideas. Meanwhile, poor old Prince Andrew's daughters lurch from one disaster to another. Life seems to be just one endless holiday, you know, hanging around with celebrities. Wasn't one of them on uh, Roman Abramovich's uh, yacht thing? Big boat, very big expensive boat, with, uh, I believe, uh, Oprah Winfrey and people like that. The Americans are so crackers for these sort of people. And, of course, being the attention seekers that they are in our royal family, they absolutely revel in it. But uh, Prince Harry, nobody's known what to do with him. Does he open a bar somewhere in Magaluf? In which case, he can have fun for the rest of his life. Or do they try and pretend that he's doing something? Apparently, when he goes to South Africa, he's doing stuff on behalf of the government. What that can be, I've got no idea. Uh, Beatrice was at her boyfriend, Dave Clark, and uh, they went for, for drinks... And apparently Oprah, best friend Gail King, was being hosted on Hollywood heavyweight David Geffen's Rising Sun. Uh, Princess Beatrice, known for her lazy lifestyle. I mean, she doesn't do anything, does she? She just sort of swans around. And uh, she's enjoyed a string of holidays. She gave up a job last year, not that we think she ever worked. And now, for some reason, she's taken four skiing breaks, three at her parents' £13 million chalet in Verbier. Where the God's name they got that money from? I've got no idea. She's also been to Greece, Florida, Bahrain, the Bahamas, China, and the United Arab Emirates. In other words, she's done absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Real waste of space and time. It's almost embarrassing. Apparently, if you, if you want the yacht, it's about 175000 a day. That's what, they're, uh, that's what they're sort of going. The trouble is, this is the poor girl who's got no sense of fashion at all. I like Roman Abramovich's thing. It's so, I mean, it's a little bit too pokey for me. It's, I mean, it cost. I mean, uh, uh, let me just give you some facts and figures. It's 536 feet long. You're not going to get it on the Thames. It's ridiculous. It's got two swimming pools on it. One indoor, one outdoor. I mean, pff, who needs two swimming pools? It's also got two helipads. 
because you do worry. And in fact, the photograph I'm looking at does have a helicopter actually on board. It's also got a cinema, some saunas and a beauty parlour. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a pokey little thing. It cost about £1.5 I think. You know, people dying in countries and you've got this thing swanning about. It's not the biggest. There are bigger bigger ships than that uh, floating about on the oceans. You know, the world's mega-rich have these sort of uh, places. And uh, and then to make it sort of look as though it's feasible, if you want to rent it, because he's not on it most of the time. I mean, o- Oprah looked like she was working in a salon on there. She's wearing a very odd outfit, like sort of almost like a matronly kind of thing. And Beatrice was then taken off to another luxury yacht. And that's all she does. She just swans around. A little bit embarrassing as they're minor members of the royal family. They've never actually served any useful purpose at all. And uh, and they, we think one of them who was reading on his iPad, because you can rent this thing. And presumably people will sort of just leave you alone. This is Disney's CEO, Bob Iger. And he was on The Rising Sun as well. So he seemed to be reading on his iPad, probably reviews of something. And they've obviously got security there. But this week, strangely enough, the uh, the Disney stock dropped. As investors, I think, feared the future of television and the company's sports channel, ESPN, reported big subscriber losses. But these it's, it's, it's obviously the thing, isn't it, to have the biggest ship that you can find. The bigger it is, the more impressive it is. It's also got a wine cellar and a basketball court. And the exercise bikes were, were delivered to his yacht by helicopter. I mean, it's another world, isn't it, really? I mean, I know it's the world of Steve Allen. I know that you understand that when I leave here, I'm just sort of bringing myself down to everybody else's level. But secretly, when I leave here, I go off on my yacht and I cruise up and down the, uh, the Thames. It is the world's second longest private yacht. It's, but the trouble is, as I say, for me... A little bit pokey. You know, I'm a big, big fan of Roman. I think it's OK. I wouldn't want to get It's only got 24 bedrooms. And um, it can accommodate 36 guests. How much to keep it afloat? How much would you think? Because you think that, that once you bought it, once you bought it, then that's it. Oh, no, 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 no. This has got a 70 crew on it. Every year, the running costs of this thing amount to, wait for it, £50 million. So, in other words, if you don't have a... Sp- I mean, even if you won the lottery... Even if you won Euro millions, you'd be nowhere near how rich some of these people are. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's lovely on the eclipse. On the rising sun, which is David Geffen's, his is only 453 feet. However, it's got 82 rooms spread over five levels. 82, I mean, it, this, is, this is bigger than my place. Bigger than my place. This has got the wine cellar, the basketball court that doubles as a helipad. Bruce Springsteen and Oprah have holidayed with it before. It's interesting, isn't it, really? Because the famous guests with, with Roman Abramovich are the Russian rapper Timati. Yeah, I've never heard of him either. Uh, close friend and Russian oligarch Eugene Schwiedler. Makes him sound like something out of the sound of music, but it's it's not. But uh, that's how much th- these things are worth. I mean, they're, they're worth an absolute fortune. So fifty million a year, just to keep it running. If you want to have it, and you and people do, hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds a day. I mean, if you were thinking, God knows, I don't like to appeal to you that much. But if you were thinking of buying me a little present for Christmas, and you thought maybe a Joe Malone or a Joe Loves candle would be would be applicable, it isn't. Okay, I would want to be for a few weeks on that. I mean, I can't even imagine spending that much money. Do you write out a cheque for it, do you think? Or do you hand over a credit card at the end of the voyage? They go, that'll be 3.6 million, please, Mr. Allen. It's got to be cash, isn't it? You know, keep that under the seat. (laughs) 
It's all very interesting. I, I love delving into the world of the rich and the famous, and I love telling you about it because I know it, it depresses the heck out of most of us that somebody is that rich, especially anywhere where any member of the royal family turns up. It'd be like, say, have you noticed, you never see Harry on anything like that. It's always sort of Beatrice or Eugenie. You know, the two the two sisters who sort of turn up to the opening of a fridge door and they sort of go on there. And uh, and you think it's it's just, you know, people are treating them as if there's something special, whereas they're not. Uh, the most infectious laugh, Steve, is a baby's chuckle. Yes, I mean, I, I actually think that uh, that, that's quite infectious, especially when you see them on It'll Be All Right on the Night and stuff like that. Oh, look. Uh, Beatrice and Dave on hand. Hello, Dave. All right, mate. Didn't he used to work for Virgin? Wasn't he going to get her up into space? Hopefully. <laughs> Steve, times must be very hard for the impoverished Ratners. The north side of Westminster Bridge, Parliament Square, south side of Westminster Bridge, St Thomas's A&E. Approximate cab fare, Steve, three quid. Even Sean in Islington said it's a four-minute taxi ride. Four minutes. Ratner is a twit. St Thomas's, yes, you're quite right, actually, it's just over the bridge, isn't it? What are they waiting for an ambulance for? Oh, he's a moaning old Mary, isn't he? It's not, it's not good at all, ladies and gentlemen. We must stop people moaning about things like that. And um, <laughs> a lot of people suggesting what Peter Andre can, um, can sort of uh, tell his, uh, his ten-year-old son about, uh, about virginities. Uh, the princess, 17 holidays in eight months, you bone-idle old so-and-so. Why don't you get off there and do... I mean, what could she do, though? I should imagine she's probably... She's probably one of those, you know, I'm I'm princess. No, you're not, dear. You're just a very strange, horsey-looking girl. And uh, Kevin says, you can't take a photo of Roman's yacht. It's covered in stealth. I quite like that idea. I'm looking at the pictures of it. I mean, they're, they're quite impressive, these places. But I've noticed that they seem to have security. There's a bloke standing there, and he doesn't look like he's delivering sandwiches. He could be crew member. And they have to put up with these people because they've got these... I mean, it's just... It's a nice thing, isn't it? Oh, it's... It is quite clearly a gun, isn't it? Yeah, there's a man here. He's quite clearly got a gun. Perhaps it's international waters. Apparently, um, officially in, uh, in the United Arab Emirates for a business engagement with her father, the Duke of York... What? Beatrice found time to take in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix with Dave Clark. The fun included trying camel meat and going to a lavish party on board a Polynesian-themed party yacht. Then she flew to Beijing with Mother Fergie, you know, the one who flogs liquidizers. And, uh, and then she went to a, a dinner, and then they had a recovery brunch. And then after Christmas lunch with the Queen at Sandringham, she jetted off to Verbier. This, uh, this £13 million ski chalet, how they afforded that, I'll never know. I mean, Fergie's got diddly squat, and Prince Andrew, what does he do for a living? In other words, he takes handouts from his mother, but £13 million's pushing it a fraction. This one's got seven bedrooms, an indoor pool, a staff of six, and a very desirable location. It's not desirable when Sarah Ferguson's in it. But uh, and it, apparently, then in January this year, little Beatrice flew off uh, to St Bart's, where she spent time on, a, on another yacht. Her company included Jimmy Carr... Jamie Redknapp and his wife Louise, Jamie Rubin and Amit Bhatia. That's uh, Lakshmi Mittal's son-in-law. Jamie Redknapp and Jimmy Carr. Have they got no idea of a sense of occasion? And then other people, when they went to Verbier, she was with boyfriend Dave, again, and uh, Prince Harry and Princess Eugenie. And then they've got, you wait for this one, 
This is Amanda Wakeley's boyfriend, Hugh Morrison, socialite Emma Pilkington, Dave and Gabriella Peacock, again, Eugenie's boyfriend, Jack Brooksbank, who works for the Mahiki nightclub, class, PR girl Astrid Harbord, whoever she is, and TV presenter Donna Ayres' ex-boyfriend, Sam Goldstone. Oh, how lovely. I feel quite sorry for her, really. No life. No life at all. Just sort of jetting around. Uh, 84850, uk, And, uh, oh, we've got the news coming. I've suddenly realised, actually. Time moves on on this programme this morning. I will tell you, at the other side of the news, what makes the PM Pringles so infuriatingly addictive. This is after David Cameron. When you get on certain planes, they give you a little... A little pot of Pringles. It's hardly big enough, really, to, to cope with somebody's appetite. But I quite like that. When I flew with Virgin last time, we got Pringles and we got an ice cream when we woke up after a sleep, which is lovely. That really was lovely. And, uh, and a toasted sandwich. Ham and cheese. How delicious. Coming up on the programme, the aerial salute to the bravery of the few. Uh, the UK storm alert as the temperature rises. Where are these £15 rail fares, Minister? And free e-cigarettes on the NHS. Having a laugh, aren't they? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Wednesday, the 19th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Beware of a wife better looking than you are. How you determine that one, I've got no idea. If you want to avoid the pain of childbirth, apparently the latest news is hypnotise yourself. Vitamin D helps to prevent falls among the elderly. Elton John's war with the Venice mayor who has axed gay books in schools. Boy George has upset the BBC bosses already. This is the start of many upsets, I should imagine. Uh, The store boozers, the supermarkets, beating the big brands in the taste tet. Taste test. Taste tet? What dickens was that? And uh, the Friends Fear, the former One Direction stars in Meltdown. This is poor delusional Zayn Malik. It can only get worse. And what's in a Pringle? Not potato, by the sound of it. Did you know that they argued for ages and ages that they weren't even sure that Pringles could be called crisps? They have the lowest amount of potato of anything. What do you think the percentage is of potato in a Pringle? 42%. That's all that's in it, 42%. Because what they do is they're they're made from a sludge of potato... Sorry to ruin your day. Of potato flakes, corn flour, wheat, starch and rice flour mixed with water and preservatives. This slurry is rolled into a thin sheet and cut by machine into ovals, which are pressed into their distinctive curved shape on a conveyor belt and fried in vegetable oil for exactly 11 seconds. Excess oil is blown off before they're sprayed with powdered flavourings and seasoning stacked together and inserted into tubes. As food goes, it's about as natural as those other inventions, Pop-Tarts, Smash, Instant Smash and Angel Delight. It takes 20 minutes to make one tube of Pringles and considerably less time for a family to devour them. The amount of spud is so low that the best legal brains in Britain spent much of the last decade arguing whether Pringles are crisps at all. The High Court ruled that the packaging, unnatural shape and the fact that they contained so little potato meant that they were more akin to a cake or a chocolate biscuit and so were exempt from the VAT paid on potato snacks. P&G, which argued that their product wasn't a crisp, were delighted However, the decision was overturned the following year by the Court of Appeal, forcing the company to pay an additional £20 million a year to the taxman. The brand was sold to the Kellogg's company in 2012. It's no accident that they're Moorish. From their flavour and feel to their packaging and branding, they've been designed to be as addictive as possible. And you can read more on it. They've done a whole page. 
This is just because David Cameron was seen eating a Pringle. They wanted to know just why they were so addictive, and they are so addictive. But now you realise that it's only 42% potato. I wonder what the, the... Was it somebody who told me a short while ago, when they looked at McDonald's fries, have they got something like 14 ingredients into McDonald's fries? It, whatever it was, I remember thinking, 14 ingredients? They've got preservatives, they've got all sorts of things in there. But have they got potato? We need to find out what their percentage is. Mark says they did some filming in Twickenham to the one show last night. In the background was Greg's. Any news on the counter situation? I've not been in there since, actually. I might have to go today. I might have a look. I might have a look today. Uh, Romovich doesn't stay in hotels, but has these uh, ships floating around the world, so he's got somewhere to, to stay. Well, I'm quite sure if, if you've got that much money, but he never looks happy, does he? You never see these people laughing. And uh, Phil says, as you said, why didn't Ratner's daughter get a taxi to the hospital? St Thomas's is just across the river. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously because they wanted to make a big fuss about it. I, don't, I can't understand it myself. Steve, would this be Junior, the same son of, loves his kids, who Peter had to shut up on the show My Suff, sorry, My Life, and cover his mouth when a few years ago, when he was on tour at Blackpool Opera House, Pete was showing us the costume he was going to wear, and, uh, and Junior started making comments about the female dancers' costumes. Pete then gave his rolling eyes, winsome smile, what do you do with kids kind of thing. It was nearly but not quite on a par to the famous occasion when he took Tostos, Tostos, that's the girlfriend, another wife, to the restaurant for a private meal, and with the camera nearly stuck up his left nostril, he told Ems he was taking her on a safari. Bit of a surprise, as she then told him she'd lived in Africa for years as a child. Priceless television just to see his face. Please, God, we don't see him on Strictly. Well, if anybody from the programme's listening, they'll now know that he's obviously going to be good value because he's a bit, he's a bit like a little, a little oil slick. You know, it's that kind of sort of mentality. But uh, this is the story which we're, uh, which we're getting quite excited about. The poor Peter Andre is struggling to answer. He's over 40, Peter. You know, practically heading into his sort of 50s now. And he couldn't answer a question from Junior, the uh, one of the children that has been on television so much, he now has got his own pose. In fact, there is a picture that I'm looking at now of Junior posing. And he asked a simple question, what's a virgin? And then he wanted to know where babies come from. Apparently, this was really quite difficult for Peter Andre, who probably hasn't worked out the answer himself. He probably thinks she was found under a gooseberry bush. And so when he was asking about the birds and the bees... And when the question arose, what's a virgin? Pete's answer was, oh, my God. I got round it by telling him, in a drink, virgin means no alcohol. And that's all you need to know right now. I can't lie, so I have to divert instead. Perhaps he doesn't know. Perhaps he doesn't, perhaps he doesn't know the words for it. You do get the impression, don't you, thinking that poor Peter Andre hasn't got the faintest idea about where anything comes from, including his wages. But uh, there it is, and he mentions that in his column today, in, and you sort of, you worry about they, they actually call the column, I think, Pete's World. And it is, it's a world of sort of, you know, lollipops and pink ice cream and probably candy floss, I should have wondered, but nothing adult at all. Uh, Gillian Tailforth, back in EastEnders, says, Steve, will they be filming a special on location on the A1 slip road? Most new cars uh, auto-lock about three miles an hour and unlock on ignition key removal. The car will auto-lock upon the airbags going off. So we don't need to worry about that. Because I was saying it's, it's so sort of dangerous now that uh, I'm not saying it's as bad as it is in South Africa or parts of America where, you know, carjacking is quite normal. Over here, we don't get that very often, but you do get people. And it's mainly at traffic lights where they're cleaning windows that uh, if they see something, they're going to they're, 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 they're go for it, I'm afraid. They really am. Uh, Shoreham Air Show this weekend featuring the Vulcan, says little Julie. 
And this is 22nd to 23rd of August. Brighton City, Shoreham Airport in West Sussex. You can see the Avro Vulcan B Mark II display for the final time now appearing both days. So there you go. That's the place. They say when the sun shines, there are a few nicer venues uh, at which to spend time. Uh, Long may Shoreham, a jewel in the British display scene's crown, continue to prosper. So says Wings of History. And it's uh, second only Shoreham to Duxford's events on the British scene. No small achievement, yet it aims to present them differently. So the Shoreham Air Show this weekend. There you go, guys. That'll be the one that uh, that you go to. Um, uh, Jeff in Epping says, I guess Mr Ratner could say the ambulance service is crap. But it is, it's just over the bridge. I mean, you know, it's, he's droned on about it like it was some sort of major thing. Uh, Noreen says, I love Pringles. Can eat, anyone eat just one? You can't. I don't think it's positive. I sometimes, if I was feeling really bad, and I haven't eaten them for a, for a while because I know it's the sort of thing that's not particularly good for diabetics, you pick up almost like a stack of them and see how many, see how many you can get in your mouth at the same time. But if I was really being indulgent, if I was really pushing the boat out, then it would be with... Um, with either Thousand Island dressing or salad cream. Sorry about that. We always pay £16 each way to go visit uh, family in your favourite place, Blackpool. That's Watford to Blackpool, changing at Preston, and recently went to Liverpool for 20 quid each way. That includes reserved seats. Can't do it by car for that, says Noreen. She's probably right, actually. We were talking about these fares, which are supposed to be there, you know, the 15 quid, and all of a sudden they, uh, they sort of disappear. And here we go. David and Vic will be delighted or concerned, to hear that Brooklyn, 16, is rubbing shoulders with a somewhat racy crowd. He was at a gig with Catherine Harding, the 23-year-old singer who gave birth to Jude Law's baby, a girl called Ada, five months ago. Wannabe footballer Brooklyn, failed footballer, I thought, has recently been pictured with Harding's friend, former Miss England, Laura Coleman. He's 16, she's 28. Slightly disturbing. And uh, they write here, Sebastian uh, Shakespeare says, whilst I'm sure the friendship is purely platonic, Victoria shouldn't worry about any accidents, a la Jude. We've had a talk with Brooklyn, Dad revealed, a few years ago. Probably means yesterday, I should imagine. It's a shame Peter Andre doesn't follow the same advice, but as I say, we don't really think Peter Andre's got the faintest idea about the birds and the bees. And so once, you know, I'm quite sure that, you know, at a ten years old, they are slightly more advanced than we were at ten years old. And so, you know, he's asking his father something which he's probably heard at school, and Peter Andre can't, can't answer it. I find that deeply, deeply depressing. Uh, 8385 Ocas says, if you go by ambulance, you get seen. If you're walking wounded, you go to the back of the queue. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, uh, I, what Peter says is virgin means pure. That's what he says, no alcohol in the drink. Yeah, but I don't think you can explain that to a 10-year-old. It would be easier to explain what a virgin is as opposed to explaining, you know, it's no alcohol. Is that, how, is that how Peter Andre has been describing things? Small wonder he's in the state he's in. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Poor old Gideon's way said, I'd, I'd tried Pringles once. I didn't like them. So I've never had them again. I find uh, I, all the people I've ever spoken to buy them. And I think you can buy them in Iceland. They like sort of two pounds a tube or something. Or you get two Two tubes for three quid, whatever it is, honestly. But people find them addictive. But I only like the potato ones. I don't like flavours. Not very good with stuff like that. Front page of the Daily Express this morning, the Battle of Britain fly-past tribute in memory of the hardest day. The British girl who was the victim of the Thai bomb at the age of 19. House prices up. 
by 15,000. Not over in America, they're not. They seem to have levelled off completely. And uh, for some reason, every time you see a picture of Bill Turnbull smiling, he just looks somewhat evil. And it's a picture of Carol Kirkwood, who's the weather girl, who apparently is laughingly called a celebrity nowadays. I don't quite get that one at all. But uh, she's the latest one to sign. What do they do? Do they just sort of sit down and go, oh, she's been a fan for ages, I'll give it to her this year? Because they can't find anybody else. They really can't. And that's why we're sort of we're sort of sort of running out of ideas. You've got her, Ainsley Harriet, Jeremy Vine, some girl who kicked off out of Coronation Street ages ago, and and I think that was Georgia May Foot. Who else did they come up with? Whatever it is, it's the worst lineup I've ever seen. Absolutely dreadful, it really is. Uh, what did we have here? The uh, the backpacker being hunted. Um, and also the longest terrain over us, picture showing 63 years of the Queen's rule. And uh, it's very interesting. And the manor owner, who I mentioned earlier on, who has all those gravestones of, of children, because he bought a chapel, and he thought it was great to sort of cut up their gravestones and adorn his house with them. Absolutely ghastly. Uh, so who else have we got in the thing? We've got Ainsley Harriet. That'll be really dreary. Jeremy Vine. It's a bit of a joke, really. Georgia May Foot, Kelly Bright... And newsreader Katie Derham. But uh, bookies have put her 40 to 1 to win. So in other words, let's not waste your time. And you've still got to have a couple of really sort of Z-list people, haven't you? I think that's the only way that they're ever going to get the programme. Because at the moment, it's it's the worst lineup I think I've ever seen. Really dreadful. Front page of the, uh, the Mail today. They, they've done the Pringle story. Uh, also, Kate is very tired, as you can well imagine. She had two children. And so she uh, she didn't. Uh, attend a wedding the other day. Uh, somebody uh, here, it's a, it's a new report uh, from the British Medical Journal, which says one drink a day raises the breast cancer risk, having told you the other day that men are now supposed to check themselves uh, because you have to, you just have to sort of check yourself. Apparently a thousand men a year develop breast cancer, even though the majority of, uh, of people say, oh, it only affects women. It affects men. They had a couple of case histories uh, the other day of men who had sort of been examining and around their nipple, they found a lump. They went in, one particular man, and, uh, and he said, it's, it's breast cancer. And they went, what? Because you think it's only for women, but it isn't. The most common symptom is uh, a hard, painless lump in one of the breasts. It's just, it's, it's this old, I'm constantly checking myself now, but you have to, you have to check yourself. All these sort of things you have to, you have to do nowadays and, uh, and just make sure. Breast cancer, uh, breast cancer can also cause nipple problems, which is, you know, an inverted nipple, which is retraction or nipple discharge, all of those sort of things. So hard, painless lump, check. Normally when you have a shower, that's, that's better. I think that's much, much better. And then uh, then you can sort of check all bits of your body at the same... I spend most of my life checking my body. But uh, it's about... It's about. Uh, it's mainly men, most cases, men over 60. But don't think that it doesn't affect you, because I'm quite likely to find a little bit later on in this particular article we're looking at at the moment that, it, that there are people who are under 60 years old. So there you go. Uh, Steve, privileged to have been at Biggin Hill yesterday. What a sight. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I loved Biggin Hill. I don't like it when they axe these things. I, really, I hate it. I feel as though they're taking away a little bit of us. A little bit of our soul disappears. You know, all the things that we like. You know, we've still got the New Year's Day parade, which is fantastic. But, uh, you know, the Biggin Hill, we now know it's, it's coming back. They killed off the South End Air Show a couple of years ago, too. The Royal Tournament went. Why that went? I've got no idea. What an opportunity to support the boys and girls and, you know, in the armed forces. 
you know, the next thing is they'll be going, oh, I think we have to, we have to stop the Festival of Remembrance. It's probably offended somebody somewhere. I'm happily uh, offending just about everybody as often as I can. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, Mary says, I love Pringles, but sadly my body doesn't. I can't cope with all that combination of ingredients. So I went, once ate all but one of those small tubs and my joints became so swollen. It's probably something that you're allergic to. I would th- it, it could be that. It's very easy, actually, I think, to, uh, to become addicted to things. I'm sort of addicted. What did I have? When we went to uh, America, I've told you before, the hotel we were in had, uh, had its own TGI Friday. In America, they had strips of, well, it was like Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was delicious. Now, I don't know if they do it over here in Kentucky, in, in TGI Fridays, but over in America they did it, and I, became, I kept thinking, this is really bad for you. This is really... But it was so nice, and it was so addictive, that you'd have it, and then you think, oh, I'll have it with some fries. And then, then you gradually get to that state. One of the other presenters, who works one of our sister stations, often comes down to see me in the morning before she does her programme, and she looked at what we were eating this morning. She was horrified. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but we had, we had some fruit. She said, you should be eating berries... Because she's, she's got a husband who's diabetic, and so uh, he can't eat the things I can eat. Everybody's different, though, I've discovered, with, with sort of diabetes. We all eat eat different things. And it happened to be Watsits. And, um, you know, and they are, they are quite addictive. Uh, Caroline Blomfield, she sent me in her, uh, her book the other day, which, you know, would you remember, it was, it was all about a, a theatrical family, and it was absolutely lovely. And uh, she says here, I believe you're specially interested in old theatre buildings, so... The part about the Haymarket should interest you. And there are pictures of the interior of their long-gone old Prince of Wales Theatre in Tottenham Street. There's a tiny close, which is where the theatre used to be, in an old building that must date from the 19th century. And when we're in the area, we drop in and have a drink there. I like to imagine it's much as it would have been back in the mid-19th century. That's why I like going to Wilton's Music Hall. It's a, it's a piece of preserved history, and that, that I like. That I like. Um, Lewis thinks it's the MSG in Pringles. Well, there's all sorts of things in Pringles. Whatever it is, they're addictive. Uh, the Sun on the front page, you can win a transit van. They know where their market is. They're not daft. And uh, Premier Ace in Boozy Hit and Run. This is Darren Gibson, charged with drink driving after allegedly hitting a cyclist, fleeing and crashing into a petrol pump. He earns £50,000 a week. Blimey. I wish my parents had taught me to play football as a child, but, uh, you know, netball was okay. Uh, Cheryl's a site for sore eyes. Yes, the emaciated one was out launching her latest foray into the... uh, into the um, perfume, I need to say the petrol market actually, <laughs> into the perfume market. Twenty three ninety nine, incidentally, if you want to, uh, to risk the money. Uh, Metro, Department for Work and Invention. Ian Duncan Smith accused of misleading the public, not for the first time. Front page of The Guardian, bottom of the class, in pupil wellbeing table, and uh, the tributes to the British victim of the Thailand blast. More on the happy claimants, who weren't actually happy claimants at all. The Telegraph today. Anne Robinson, who can't tell a debit card from a credit card. Well, it doesn't matter, dear. She was only telling us the other week she's worth £50 million. And the e-cigarettes, free on the NHS, they, they reckon if they give them free, it'll stop 8 million smokers. And it means that they will... I didn't realise there were that many people who were smoking cigarettes. And they, um, and they will quit the habit. Yes, and here's a, here's a picture of Putin going under the waves. Oh, no, he's in a bubble. I do beg your pardon. He was, he was descending off the coast of Crimea to view a Byzantine-era shipwreck. Wow. And he's in one of those sort of bubbly-type things, which is, uh, which is fantastic. That's it uh, for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Very grateful. We'll do it again tomorrow. 
uh, between 4 and 6.30. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show, and uh, you can send texts and emails, and we put them all in on the programme. As many as we can cram in, we do. Uh, if you want to listen to LBC, going abroad or something like that, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, download the LBC app, and it means when you go abroad, then you can listen to LBC and you can... Um, and you can hear it all over the world. And that's available for iPhones and Android phones as well. Uh, what else? We I forgot to bring you the weather. But as I said before, look out the window. That's what it'll be. I think there's going to be a bit of rain around a little bit later on. And I'm sure the storm clouds will move in. Oh, here we go. I've got it now. Dry and warm day. Further rain later. Blah, 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 blah. How much? 21 degrees, something like that. Which is not bad. You can cope with that, can't you? 21 degrees. Of course you can. 